Insomniac Games have had a massive amount of information made public as the result of a ransom hack. This group that targeted Insomniac have previously targeted hospitals and they auctioned off social security numbers, passports, patient files, and patient history. They actually weren't even necessarily seeking payment from Insomniac. They were just selling the information for like $2 million in Bitcoin. So this needs to be clearly stated before we get into this coverage. This was not a leak. This was a hack, one that exposed personal information that has found current and former employees having their credit cards frozen over fraud concerns and more. For that reason, I will not be detailing anything from the hack. I will report on what happened as well as the reactions that we are seeing and give you my own personal thoughts. There's currently a discussion brewing about whether or not the gaming press should be putting this information out there. This seems unprecedented in the history of leaks or stolen information. Now, eventually, all the information becomes public knowledge, but previous ransomware hacks were not covered here. I do not cover stolen info. I've covered leaks. I've covered insider information, but this feels categorically different. Now, I put all of the good information right here at the beginning of the video in the form of a monologue, and then I discuss it with the live audience. If you enjoy this kind of content, make sure you hit subscribe and the bell button. That way you don't miss out on my content. So Insomniac had a large amount of information stolen in a ransomware attack. This is when people hack in, steal information, and try to sell it back to you or to others. After not paying off the hackers who stole the files, everything was made public. Now, I will not be going into the details of any of it. This is not something that should be classified as a leak. This was theft and essentially blackmail. It wasn't just gameplay footage and PowerPoint slides. It was also employee personal information that has caused problems for both current and former employees reporting things like their credit cards being frozen just before the holidays so first i want to talk about what happened and i'm going to do this from a 30,000 foot view there is a brewing debate about whether or not the gaming press and gaming outlets and youtubers should be covering this and showing the files and the images many of the people that are showing the files and the images will likely get hit with takedown requests because they have no right to distribute the information so take that as it may i mean a lot of these channels are probably gonna have self-inflicted wounds it's my personal belief that if you're waiting or wanting to support the devs this was a point that was made very loud and clear during the game awards then reporting on this is totally fine but that doesn't necessitate showing images and files that are damaging to the company and their work I see room for disagreement here, but it seems very anti-dev to publish illegally stolen files mere weeks after complaining that the Game Awards were not pro-dev enough. The second thing I want to do is I want to look at the reactions, and there are some reactions out there. They range from Sony is in trouble to I can't wait to play that game. Obviously, the final thing I am going to do after looking at all the different reactions and the discussion about whether or not this stuff should be reported I'm going to tell you what I think, and I'm going to do my best to not give any details, but some of the stuff that has leaked is very much in line with things that we have talked about as recently as the cost of making games and the future of the industry and what the industry will likely focus on. So, first, what happened? Well, the ransomware group that I will not name got access to 1.6 terabytes of data comprising over 1.3 million files. They threatened to release it if they were not paid. Not only that, they were just selling it. A lot of people were acting like, oh, they were trying to sell it to Insomniac, and if they weren't paid, they would publish it. 
They were just selling it. That's what they do. They have stolen medical files, medical information, and social security numbers. These are not good people. Insomniac and Sony did not pay, so the files were made public. Now, I would assume that even if they got the money, it's very highly likely that they would leak it anyway, or they would just ask for more money. So not paying people like this makes perfectly good sense. Now, since Wolverine is already announced, I will say that significant portions of that game, its gameplay, and its files have been released, along with its release timing and release schedule. That is in the file dump. There are also roadmaps for games from Insomniac as far out as 2035. Now, this includes both existing and new IPs. There's also a PowerPoint presentation titled Strategic Pillars that contains info that seems to come from PlayStation, but it was made by Insomniac employees. The PowerPoint presentation was made by Insomniac. I have verified it is real. Those slides are, in fact, real. Now, again, I'm staying at 30,000 feet because I looked at a lot. I have seen plans for big games, I've seen roadmaps, I've seen lots of gameplay, and I get why the gaming press feels that they should cover this, but I draw a distinction between ransomware stolen assets at this magnitude and insiders or leakers letting us know a release date. In the past, there was ransomware info stolen and gameplay that was stolen that I refuse to show or detail, and at a certain point, this all becomes public knowledge, and the hive mind of gaming community will know all of it. So I could see myself referencing back to this in a few months because at that point, it's public knowledge. You can't act like it doesn't exist. SkillUp touched on that in his video this morning. It would be disingenuous or silly to pretend as if I don't know these things in a couple of months when it's part of the ongoing conversation. So there's certainly a tension point with information like this. And right now, the scope and the damage just feels too severe to go into detail or to show things, especially considering the toll this is taking on current and former employees. Being doxxed, having your credit cards frozen, and suddenly being personally exposed to the entire internet is an unsettling violation. And it's why this ransomware group should not be named or mentioned. They should be investigated and discovered and found, and hopefully they could have at least, and this is why I have no respect for the people that did this, they could have at least protected the employees and only exposed the gaming content. They seem to lack even that small shred of human decency. So, what's the reaction been to all of this? Well, first, I want to talk about the reaction from the gaming press. Some are going full court press. They're showing everything. They are reporting on everything. Even the thumbnails for their articles are going to spoil the future of what Insomniac has planned for you if you're trying not to find out. Now, others are pumping the brakes. Other press outlets and YouTubers and folks like myself are pumping the brakes and saying, is there a line? Is this too far? So in a similar way that I have, some are saying they will not report on the details, but simply what happened. Greg Miller from Kind of Funny took this stance, and I agreed with him. Now, Kind of Funny has quickly been called out for covering leaks in the past. Greg Miller and Kind of Funny put out videos all of the time, and they have covered leaks. And some are saying, well, not all leaks are equal. And I have to agree with that take. I think there's a difference between leaks like the self-imposed one that Microsoft did during the FTC trial and the one where Sony didn't redact their documents properly. 
I covered both of those. Those were basically leaks. When Sony failed to redact their documents, we got an insight into how much their games cost. When Xbox leaked their own documents, we got a whole host of slides about hardware plans and the future of the platform. Now, those feel very different. They were attached to a court case, which is in the interest of the public. But recently, the GTA 6 trailer leak, I really started to question if this leaker meta or this insider info meta was causing more harm than good. Instead of the gaming community having a momentous moment and we all got to watch the GTA 6 trailer together, it was forced out by some loser pushing crypto. I also referenced this when the Metal Gear trailer just didn't hit as hard because we all knew that it was coming. But I tend to agree with those who say, look, this is what the press does. It gets info and it delivers that to the public because the public wants it. That's who they essentially answer to. When a, when a set or a photo shoot or a costume photo leaks for a movie or a TV show that's in production, right? <laughs> Funny enough and coincidentally enough, we've seen Hugh Jackman dressed up as Wolverine walking around with Deadpool, okay? Nobody seems to care about that as much. I think that's because video games are in a different category. I feel like the level of consumer to creator connection is unique in video games. We follow devs on Twitter, community managers. We read blogs. We look at job postings and press releases. We almost insatiably want so much info- information that it sort of backfires on us at times because it's clear that gameplay this early is not helpful or worth seeing. There's also the empathy part of this. Lots of people work on these games and this level of breach and leak is harmful to them shrugging at this as if it's no big deal and it's just that's really easy i think for those of us that are on the outside looking in especially if you lack or maybe you just struggle with empathy and to a certain extent they're strangers and this is a large-scale event just because it's easy to feel cold or disconnected from those affected doesn't mean that that's the correct posture I myself struggled to care about the bungee layoffs when the news first hit. It was a couple of tweets, and I was pretty crass about it. Tens of thousands of people had been laid off, making them just another group of people that I didn't really know losing their jobs. It's also hard to feel bad about people who actively tried to hurt you, but the point is, this feels like a moment in gaming history. A time where the press says, maybe we should evaluate. Maybe there should be some standards. There are already retractions that are being labeled as updates where outlets reported in error that Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart did not make profit. I don't know what an update is. You should post a retraction when you publicize false information. I myself have personally gone through this. Retractions are far more important than updates. Turns out, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart did earn a profit, but folks were quick to take a slide, rip it from context, and run with the narrative. Similarly, there are slides about PlayStation's concern for Xbox and the Activision deal. Many thought that these were fake. They are not. I have verified that the file is real. The creation of that PowerPoint date is 11-15 of 2021, and the last save date is October 20th of 2022. That's a while ago. Both of those dates have verifiable Insomniac employees attached to them, and given the debates, given the dates, I'm not really finding anything concerning in the slides. It was written when Sony was only being offered three additional years of Call of Duty all the way out to 2027, which that's no longer true, and it simply echoed everything Jim Ryan said in his statements against the merger, but the slides were quickly circulated as Sony is scared and Sony is in trouble. But it's old info, and it simply said things that we've already heard. 
And that's the first reaction I sort of want to interact with. Folks saying, Sony is in trouble. I've seen this everywhere, okay? This is simply untrue. It's based off of false info and a false read of slides that were either projections or ripped from their context. As the dust settled on the leak, it's clear that those looking to validate their opinions on Sony and their business practices simply rushed to judgment. The updates on articles that falsely reported Ratchet and Clank didn't make profit are probably the best we see. No retractions, no I was wrong videos, just pick over stolen info, misrepresent it, and move on. In my attempts to be more open and accepting of different viewpoints, I've leaned more into saying things like, well, I believe this or I think this, and I try not to assert my opinion is fact. But this is a matter of facts and hard numbers, and many in the content creator space and the gaming press space simply reported and said things that are provably false. Be better and correct the public record when you make it wrong. And that goes for everyone claiming that the Activision deal slides are fake. They're not fake, they're real. And Sony's concerns were not just mere posturing for the courts and the public. As far as I can tell, they're putting a plan in place to maintain their market lead. Companies being concerned is not the smoking gun people think it is. Now, another reaction that I'm seeing is folks saying, the Wolverine gameplay looks bad. (laughs) In my opinion, this is hilarious because it demonstrates exactly why I fully support shorter marketing windows. A lot of folks in the gaming space want to return to the days of announcing and showing games that are two, three, and four years away. I think the reaction to GTA 6 coming in 2025 is all the proof we need that the gaming community is split on this. We used to hear about games three to five years before they would even come out. Now a GTA 6 trailer lands and says you're going to have to wait a year and a half to two years and folks were irate. But then there are those who demand more. Say more, show more, announce more. Early gameplay like this is proof that is not worth doing. Announce a game, do a press release, do your teaser, and then go cook, okay? Judging gameplay from early builds or testing environments, it just smacks of desperation to take a shot at the platform you don't like. And it's precisely why leaks like this are damaging to the product and the people who worked on it. It's why I will continue to say, don't show or say much about your game until you are on the runway to releasing it. Now, another reaction I'm seeing is Insomniac is just a Marvel developer now, to which I reply, and is is that a problem? Like games are getting insanely expensive. So backing uh, a strong IP and strong brands is just a sensible business decision. And even though Ratchet and Clank made a profit, it's clear where the money is. I can't fault a business for backing the winning horse or horses. I certainly don't mind if Insomniac Games makes more Marvel games. They're great at it. (laughs) The last thing I'm seeing is something that I just referenced. Many are seeing with clear eyes that games are very expensive to make, okay? Yes, and we've been saying this for a while. Mark Cerny has said it. Former PlayStation boss Sean Layden has said it. GTA 6 publisher Take-Two CEO Strauss Zelnick has said it. Isn't it interesting that executives attached to the market leader platform and one of the market leader publishers are saying this is not sustainable? My opinion that games are cheaper than they've ever been, while budgets are enormously larger than they've ever been, is always met with disagreement. I've been called a corporate shill for saying this, and that game prices should go up, or that monetization practices need to evolve because how else are they supposed to make money on these massive projects? 
But this is not a matter of opinion. It's a matter of hard facts and numbers. We spend less on games now than we did in the past, according to inflation, and we get an incredibly large amount of time out of them. There are a few exceptions from back in the early days of gaming on the Super Nintendo or the Nintendo 64, but most games were not even close to the size, the scope, and the playtime that we now get from the average full-price AAA game. So, game prices are potentially going to go up because the cost of making these games has gone up, and that's very, very clear from these leaks. If you've seen them, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, now would be a good time for me to tell you what I think. So, here are my thoughts. Again, I just want to restate, this was not a leak. This was a hack. It doesn't matter how it came out, it's still a leak, is what people have told me. They've said it doesn't matter if it's stolen, it's still a leak. Listen, language and words are important. A marketing team slipping up and letting out a release date or a trailer is not the same as an organization that steals and sells medical records, okay? That's what this was. They stole property, they attempted to sell it, and then they published it with no regard to the damage that it would do to the real people and their personal info. These are criminals. These are not good people. The other thing I want to say is Tom Warren from The Verge indicated that he thinks this might be a turning point in how game leaks are treated. He said that something feels different this time around. And I think couching the decision to not cover the specifics or the details as protecting protecting the devs or the PR team is disingenuous. Tom Warren hasn't said that. Many others have. Because he and others are saying maybe we shouldn't be putting all these details out. Maybe we should be attempting to protect the people and the projects that are harmed by this kind of theft. I've said for a while that leaks were hurting the devs and even the industry. Taking the power and the punch out of an announcement's not good because that's a driver of sales and money, which is something we know is important to the success of the games and the studios that we love. But once the leaks become public knowledge, it feels almost silly to pretend like they don't exist. SkillUp touched on this in his own video about this subject, and he thinks similarly to me, that the wound right now is just too fresh to capitalize on the info, but eventually it would feel weird, or even foolish, to pretend that I don't know about the games on the Insomniac roadmap, or they they have plans for games that are already out, right? There are games already out they're going to be doing stuff with. Like, it'd be silly for me to act like I don't know about that. I know that there is no hard answer here. At least, I don't know the hard answer. I don't know where the bright lines are. But I do know that caution and empathy are good human qualities. So if that means from now on that I handle leaks differently, or I measure the potential damage that the info can do, so be it. I don't necessarily need to show you slides and data and screenshots. We can just talk about how people are reacting to it and minimize the damage that it might do to the company who's had its info either stolen or leaked. Sadly, with YouTube and the gaming press, all it takes is a handful of people to say, listen, this is news. Who cares? Run it, right? And then it's public knowledge. And then the refusal to cover it is merely a principled, self-inflicted wound. But it's one that I'm willing to take going forward if I feel that that is the right decision. So as I said, this was not a leak. It was a hack. And profiting from the stolen property and info is just not something that I'm willing to do. But that's just what I think. What do you think? So let me give you my closing thoughts and conclusion on this. Covering this was a difficult decision to make. First, because of my bias and how much that I like Insomniac and their games, but also because of my growing sense that leaks are becoming a problem and a nuisance within the gaming world. And this was such an enormous and unprecedented hack that it felt different. I even recently covered the GTA 6 
you know, announcement. And I said, the leakers ruined it. I was like, they ruined that moment for that company, that game, and the people who worked on it. It feels different this time around because we really like Insomniac. I think people were angry about GTA 6 because they really like GTA and they were really looking forward to the game. But this also feels different because it was a crime. If an insider says, hey, this game is coming out in May, or hey, this new game's going to have these features, or oh, here's the specs of the PS5 Pro, I mean, that's one thing. That's not quite the same as what happened here. This is so much more than that. Having an entire game's build is incredibly harmful. It was bad when it happened to GTA 6, and it's bad that it happened now. The second thing I want to say is this. One thing that came out of this definitely adds some light to the Blade game discussion and exclusivity. Seeing how Marvel handles licensure and royalties and game sales is eye-opening. It will be very interesting to see what happens with Blade and exclusivity, since that's still a question mark that we don't have an answer to. Marvel clearly wants to push the game market very strongly, the same way they push strong with movies and TV shows, and they plan to make a lot of money. My conclusion is this. If this leak proves anything, it proves that we clearly don't know what is coming. A lot of the bluster and a lot of the complaints over no roadmaps or Sony has no games or Xbox has no games. Listen, it's clear that these companies are buttoning up and you can see why. Games are planned and forecasted incredibly far into the future. And if anything we have seen doesn't come to fruition, well, that'll be disappointing, right? Because now we're like wishing for it and hoping for it. If it wouldn't have happened and we didn't know about it, well, we'd be better for it. It's terrible to know, oh, they're planning on making this game and then they don't make it. So this is a lesson to game companies everywhere. Tighten up your security and don't announce games until they're close to launch. But those are just my thoughts. Now it's time to hear your thoughts. And that's the show open. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Thank you guys so much for being here this morning. And I really do think this is going to change our approach to leaks in the future. I think we're going to have a more measured approach. We're going to consider we're going to consider whether or not we should show something, whether it's a slide or an image from a game. Uh, there's a whole host of things that we've done here in the past with leaks, and I've never covered ransomware leaks, but. This uh, th- this feels like a good catalyst for a discussion about that, whether or not we should do that. We can also talk about looking at early game builds. Like, again, the reason we are running a members-only chat is I don't want anybody coming in here and posting spoilers of things from the leaks. So we have our chat buttoned up uh, for protection of the audience here that supports this channel every single day. So if you want to join the conversation, uh, you're going to have to become a member. We're not going to do that all that often, but on days like today, I think it's I think it's called for. Uh, I've done this maybe one other time in the history of this channel. So don't want somebody to be able to come in and just copy paste spam and ruin things and you guys are off to an incredible start maybe you guys do want to hear me sing on Friday night the first member of the day was Darius Ward whoops Han shot first and so did you Darius Ward first member of the day not a gifted member he became a member on his own and a gifted member from Stone Spire a gifted member from Sneaky Wolf DP Sage renewed their membership 24 months in a VIP finally my favorite color red thank you for all that you do and will continue to do Lona appreciate that and a five bomb comes in from cat uncle if you guys can get us to 3,000 members by Friday Friday night stream will take a little bit of a different tone and so that's eight members already on the day thank you so much 
We will have a night of Frickmas, and I will sing some Christmas carols, and P-Dub H-Town does a 10-bomb and takes us to 18. He says, let's get these people in here. Let's let them join in the conversation about this. Let's not keep them out in the cold. And Momo the Cow does a 5-bomb and takes us to 23. Just that fast. We are already at, what's the number here? I'm trying to do it. There we go, 23 and a single from DK Baker. Thank you guys so, so much. Already, oops, already on the doorstep. Already on the doorstep of 25 members. Every 25 members, I gift five, and you guys are at like 2,100. You guys have gone crazy before. Today would be a good day to go crazy. Good community out there thinking about Insomniac in the future, and they're all here right now, and Rabbit gives a member as well. Maybe we run uh, maybe we run members only chat more often. Good golly, you guys are going crazy. <laughs> good to see you, Javier Cotto. Good morning to you. Bumblepan says, appreciate your take on this. The whole situation just bummed me out, though some of the project leaks are things I want to play. Appreciate your 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 care there to not mention any names of the games. Thank you. And a five bomb from MASH and a single gifted from Patrick takes us to 31 members on the day. You guys are the agent of chaos. Patrick was actually the agent of chaos. Thank you so much. Pushing us past 25. Every 25 I get five back and another one comes in from the Luna Joker. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, I won't lie to you. I won't lie to you. The people are like, well, I guess Insomniac's a Marvel dev now. I'm like, and? Is that a is that a problem? You have a problem? Is that bad? Right? If, like, your favorite, like, when we, when we found out the guy that's doing John Wick 4 was directing Ghost of Tsushima, were you upset about that? You're like, no, that guy's awesome. He does cool work. Like, they're great. <laughs> like, they're really great. Like, why would you, why would you care? Does this prove your point that Blade may be multi-platform? Blade, because of what we... Okay, so I'm being careful here. We gotta look at how licensure works with Marvel games. Marvel wants to see a certain number of sold units. They want royalties. I Listen, man... I, I'm, I'm thinking... I'm thinking it's multi-plat based on what we've seen. It's why they won't say anything. It's like, they won't say anything because Marvel's like, Listen, man... <laughs> If Microsoft paid to keep that from being multi-plat, they're going to take an absolute bath. They're not going to make any money on that game. So we'll see what happens. Radical Geek comes in. And I'm sorry, no. Radical Greek gets a member from Darius Ward. Darius becomes a member today, the first time, and is already gifting members. DK Beggar renews their membership for 14 months, and it's a VIP kill you. Gets 33 months. Thank you so much. Welcome back. I want to read what Eugene has to say here. My favorite was the Ratchet and Clank finals. Uh, I mean, sorry, financials. No, not one blanking idiot running that story looked at the date on the PowerPoint and saw it was from before the game released. Yeah, isn't it interesting that people are so quick, the people that are supposed to be, you know, giving you accurate information, they were more concerned with running a narrative instead of being like, oh, wait. This is from a PowerPoint that predates the game's launch. Like, do you guys have calendars? Do, do you know how a calendar works? You couldn't go and see that, oh, wait, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart did make profit. This is before the game even came out. Herder, like, come on. And then to publish your articles and call it an update? What's that? What's an update? When you said something that was false, it's called a retraction. 
It's called, you take down the original article and you put up a new one with the new information and you call it a retraction. You don't update the existing article. Everybody's already read it. (laughs) What are you talking about? Another gifted from Thrifty. Thank you so much. It's called a retraction. That's what the press is supposed to do. What's this thing? What's this update thing? <clears throat> Thanks everyone for gifting memberships. Says uh, Vpool Doshi. Appreciate that. Crazy few days. Hopefully everyone at Insomniac's okay. They work so hard. Well, I mean, one of the one of the unfortunate realities of this situation is, guys, holy cow, already 600 people here. Man, press the like button. Let's set our sights on 300 likes. We're already close to 200. Let's get that. Let's get it going. Um, It does mean sold uh, because the devs sold it to the retailers. Well, yeah, I mean, that whole distinction between shipped is and sold, there's already been updates and retractions posted that it got, it, that it that it made profit, okay? So if you want to get down into the details of sold versus shipped, that's not the point. The point is people ran with false information, okay? You can't wave your hand at that and be like, yeah, but this or that or the third. No, they looked at a freaking PowerPoint slide from before the game came out and immediately shoved out false information. So anybody who put out a YouTube video claiming that, anybody who put out an article claiming that, if they don't publish a retraction, personally, I think YouTubers, it's a little bit more complicated because the video is just there now. Like you got, you've either got to delete it or publish a retraction and then link to it in the description and leave a comment. Like I get it. Your video takes off and does really well. And you're like, well, that's going to be really damaging to my channel. Well, yeah, be more careful. Don't be in a hurry to be first, be principled to be accurate. Like it's that simple because now you either damage your channel by taking the video down or you damage your channel by leaving it up. You just have a video riding SEO. That's false. Focus on the minutia, obfuscate the facts. That's what I'm saying. That sounds that, that that's that's not important. They put out false info. It's called a retraction. It's not an update. Lono, you can bang on that drum for the next two hours as far as I'm concerned. They ran with false info and they should retract it. Yeah, posting the word update in the title of your article and then publishing the update in the article, you're merely editing something that's already out there. People have already seen it. Now they're already running with that narrative. Yo, what's good, Feed? I see you in the chat. I mean, listen. I did my due diligence on both sides. I went and I said, okay. People are saying these Activision slides are fake. I said, let's take a look. Are they fake? I got the file. I have the PowerPoint on my computer. It's not fake. I have the names of the Insomniac employees who created and last saved the document. I have the date of the creation of the document. I have the date that it was last saved. I included that in the show open. The document was created late 2021. It was last edited late 2022. And that shouldn't surprise anybody because in that late 2022 time period, they had offered PlayStation an extra three years extending Call of Duty out to 2027. And Sony was really concerned about the merger. They're like, oh my gosh, they're going to hurt us with this merger if it goes through. 2027? That's right around the corner in video game land. Right? Those slides are real. Like, and people were running with that they were fake. On both sides here, we're trying to be accurate. 
It's like Ratchet and Clank made profit. Retract your articles in your videos, please. And those slides are real. They are not fake about Activision Blizzard. Retract your statements. Delete your tweets. Whatever you got to do. Don't be publishing falsehood. Don't be claiming things that aren't true. It's that simple. Like, why is it scandalous or weird or out of the norm to be like, Hey, we should really prize being accurate and truthful. Like, what is that? So, why that can't be? Is that a hard standard? Like, is that too difficult? Is that a too low of a limbo bar to like get underneath? Like, what's the deal here? Luna Joker with twenty six months in a VIP. I feel like it's time to put an end to leaks after this because they went way too far hacking, posting private employee data and false information. All right, let's be clear about something, Luna Joker. These individuals that stole this property didn't do it in the interest of we're gamers and we want to know what's going on they are quite literally thieves they steal information and sell it this same organization has sold social security numbers they have sold medical uh, medical uh, information about patients patient history they've literally hacked a hospital and then they go and sell the information on the internet this wasn't even a ransom attack they stole the data, and then they just went and sold it. They're like, yeah, anybody want this? And they were trying to sell it for like 50 bitcoins, which I guess is equal to 2 million. They weren't even really ransomers. They were literally just thieves. It's like robbing the jewelry store and then selling the jewelry on the street. That's all they were doing. It wasn't extortion. It's low-level blackmail. Hey, if you don't give us money, we'll publish this. Because obviously Insomniac could try to buy it on that marketplace or whatever the frick, wherever they were selling it. But then you have no guarantee they're not going to do it again or try to try to get more money from you. Momo with a $5 super chat says, it's awesome. Uh, thanks for the awesome content. Does it seem like more people in the games media avoid the details or is it business as usual for most of them? This has been a growing problem with the gaming press. I've been saying this that, you know, I'm. I'm not trying to make this a hit piece on the gaming press, but I've been saying for a while that the gaming press functions more like quasi-content creators, and content creators are more concerned with being first in the funnel because that gets you the clicks and that gets you the ad revenue. It's how they pay their bills. That is, I think, a terrible system to have your press set up within that. Your press is essentially set up within a system of, in order to survive, we must be first. Accuracy takes a back seat. It's it's not a good system. And I don't have the answer because how do you stop companies and YouTubers from doing what's going to earn them more money? How? What are they supposed to do? Earn less money? Be, be a day late? Do extensive research and be like, yeah, well, we stuck to our core principles and now we have to shut down. Like, it, it's, I'm not saying that that's, it's okay. I'm saying, I'm, try, I'm trying to understand where they're coming from while also saying this is a freaking problem, dude. A gifted from Joker Quinn. Thank you so much, Joker Quinn, for putting us at 35 members out of 50. Ghost in the Garage Gaming says, let's be frank. This wasn't a leak. This was theft. And then an extortion attempt. Like people's uh, info and personal data was compromised and people act like it's not a big deal. Criminals. I had a real problem with people shrugging that aspect of it off, Ghost, Ghost in the Garage Gaming. Like if these guys that stole the info even had a shred of decency, they would say... There's no reason to harm all these employees. We'll just publish the the gameplay and the screenshots and the slides and the PowerPoints. You don't need to publish the the personal information. What benefit does that do? The public, it's like, well, the public's going to get this great information about
about these games. Well, okay, that's when you know these guys are just criminals. Like they don't care. They don't care about what it does to the people that that they're they're distributing their information of. So when the organizations report an incident and they want to get news to the public as fast as possible, updates are necessary to correct the first reported information. Okay, Erotimus, what you're talking about is entirely different. You're talking about live reporting of an event that's happening in real time. Okay, what you're doing is called a false equivalency. Reporting on something happening in real time, like you're saying an earthquake, they might get the death toll wrong, okay? That's not the same, okay? That's not the same. That's a live event, and there's an understanding, there's a mutual understanding of the press is going to do their best to give us accurate information about this event that has happened, a tsunami, an earthquake, whatever. This was not a developing live event where, oh, things are happening, oops, we've made a mistake. No. They grabbed a single slide, didn't do due diligence and research, and reported falsehood. They're not equivalent. Your attempt to make them equivalent has failed, because they're not even in the same category. If you're street side reporting on a natural disaster, everybody knows you don't know the full scope yet. When you have the full scope of the data, if, if a day later some news outlet had the full scope of what happened and reported falsely, you take them to task for that. You're like, what are you doing? It's clear all the information is available. They had all the data. They had all the slides. They had all the documents. And careful research that was prizing accuracy would have meant none of those articles would have come out. Not a single article would have been written about, oh, Ratchet and Clank didn't generate profit. The reason that those articles got pushed out is there is a growing narrative that Sony's in trouble. So it backs that narrative. So that's called confirmation bias. You, it, this happens all the time. You're very quick to be like, ha ha ha, I got something. It backs my theory. I saw a YouTube video that basically did that. I was like, uh-oh, Sony's in trouble. And it's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Where are you getting this? As the dust is settling on the information, that narrative now has no feet. It's like, we, but you, you grab something and thought, I've been thinking this for a long time, and this now confirms it. That's not careful reporting. That's not good research. I myself, this yesterday when we were researching this in members, I myself fell prey to this. I saw something, thought I knew what it meant, and I was like, oh, oh, I've been saying they might do this. And someone's like, well, well, hang on. They're actually going to do it a little bit differently. And I was like, oh. And as I looked at it, the information changed my thoughts on it. Why? Because that's facts-based, not confirmation bias-based. I could have made the same mistake. If I would have been streaming that live and calling that my report, I would have fell prey to the same human mistake of confirmation bias it's extremely easy to do it's 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 human nature yo five gifted members from stone spire thank you so much stone fire putting us on the doorstep of 10 away from 50 what a great start to the day if you guys want to have a huge day this is the day to do it this is the day to do it I think I just did that in my previous example. I see the difference now, though. I can admit when I'm wrong. Did they sell and not leak 2%? I'm not sure how much they released. I thought they released all of it. They didn't leak 100% of what they had. They sold 2% of the data. Oh, so they did sell some of it. I didn't know that. Okay, that was 
That was absent from my reporting. I wasn't aware that they actually successfully sold any of it. Barrier says, it's an enormous amount of info to go through. No way a single day was going to be enough time to sift through all and provide accurate info. People are just going to post as they find it. Okay, but that I, that's not an excuse. That's not an excuse. That is not an excuse at all. If you comb through the data and you erroneously report something, you take it down and you publish a retraction. And that's not what's happening. Our, our gaming press, I went through this personally. I had an outlet report falsely about me, and I emailed them. Do you know what they did? They didn't publish a retraction. They didn't even say that they had updated their article. They simply edited the article. That's the gaming press standard that we have now. They're blogs. They're blogs. It's not investigative journalism. It's not prizing accuracy. It's, well, we got it out there first, got all those ad clicks. We can't take it down now. It's out there in the SEO. It's out there in Google. It just published an update. I wasn't saying it as an excuse. Those journalists should have waited. Right. What you're saying, Barrier, is because of the scope of what they suddenly had, of course they were going to make mistakes, which is exactly why you should be careful. Yo, Patrick Cuba, 17 months, says, you really think someone would do that? Just go on the internet and tell lies? <laughs> Thanks for all the coverage. Thank you so much, Patrick. Eugene is saying this in the members-only Discord. If you guys don't like the character limit on YouTube, you can use the Discord. We have a live chat in there. You can still hear me in the Discord. That's a, that's a perk as a member. Eugene says, something dawned on me last night. Ratchet has been unfairly attacked from the beginning. First, it was people saying Insomniac lied about the SSD, that the game could be done on a PlayStation 3. Then the PC port release and the PS5 was still outperforming most PCs in the loading sequences. And then finally, the nonsense from yesterday. The game has received a ridiculous level of hate and misinformation. Why? I couldn't tell you. It doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe people want it. I don't know. Why can't I retract messages anymore? Maybe it's something that happens when we run members only. I don't know. Who said it? When it was said? Why it was said? You have no idea how they got access to this. It could have been someone clicking on an email or something. Oh no, Mudahar outlines how they did it. If you guys want to know, if you guys want to know how they did this, um, Mudahar breaks it down and he makes it very easy to understand because I'm a dummy when it comes to this stuff and his very quick explanation of how these guys, it's called living off the land. They basically get in and they use like normal operating procedures on the computer to basically just glean stuff slowly. They created a directory that they slowly just filled. Mudahar breaks it down. It's really it's he made it really easy to understand. He's a sharp guy. He's a really smart guy. Um we don't I don't always see eye to eye with him on stuff, which I think is is a beautiful thing about humanity is that you don't always agree with everybody. But that guy's that guy's got a great video on how they did it. And Yes, I'm sorry. Mudahar is some ordinary gamers. That's the YouTube channel. Some ordinary gamers. I just he opens his videos up and he's like Mudahar here, and it's like okay, that's Mudahar. Um, he he does a very good job of explaining it. And yes, sadly, as as he explains it, he's like, this is extremely hard to do in companies of this size. It's just really hard to fight against. 
So you can say, you know, hey, what what's the deal here? What these companies are trash. What's your shirt? Oh, this is from Ripped Apparel. Uh, it's got Venom, uh, Rorschach, Spawn, Wolverine, V, and Deadpool, and it's the it's the Reservoir Dog silhouette, the famous Reservoir Dog silhouette. I got Wolvie on the shirt. All right, poor guy. He's right here. Poor guy had his game. <laughs> That's the wrong link. Hang on. That's the wrong link. It's it's um it's it's ripped up. It's bit.ly forward slash reforge ripped if you want to support me. I, I don't have it right now. I'll have to grab the link. I always forget to update the t-shirt link into the this is not an into the AM shirt. Um uh slowly siphoning info. Yeah, they were slowly siphoning info is how they were doing it, yes. One of the biggest risks is email. You want that shirt? Hang on, I'll get you guys a link. I gotta go to my Bitly account and get the Bitly. I it, I I have the. Oh, why am I not logged in? Basically, uh, the way Ripped Apparel does it is all their shirts are so reasonably priced. They actually don't do, um, they don't do like a discount or anything. But it does support me if you use my link. So I'll put that link uh, in the description in just a second. Or in the description, and I'll put it in the chat. So if you guys want to snag this shirt, uh, that does support me. Uh, okay, the link is in chat now uh, from me. And Aaron Claypool with a five bomb takes us to 45 members on the day. Thank you so much for doing that. And then I'm going to edit the info on the on the video as well, so it's down there. So if anybody watching the video is like, holy crap, that shirt's hot, uh, ripped, it'll be right down there above the Discord link. There we go. Okay. Um, thank you so much, Aaron Claypool, for the five spot. Did I miss anything? I feel like I've been missing stuff. I missed... No, I read Patrick's resub. A $2 super chat says, Bots cry about being unfair, and this happens. I'm not sure what you're saying. Um, I1 says, There should be harder reinforcements than the companies going after them. You run a business, making money, uh, putting out content. You publish lies, and that hurts our business. Now pay up. Well... Any info on who did it, their legal liability will be massive for this breach. I Again, I don't know. We don't know if an individual employee is the cause of this. I'm not going to name the organization that stole it. They shouldn't, we shouldn't be like, you know, putting their name in lights. And again, some ordinary gamers YouTube channel, Mudahar explains how they did it. They got in through the network somehow, and then they did something called living off the land. And they were using programs like command prompt and IP config and other like low level just system operations in Windows to create a, uh, they created like a, a, a drive or a folder and they were just shoving stuff in there over time and then after they got what they felt was enough they they pulled it all out so Xbox tax PlayStation hacks right <laughs> they both have their problems am I right you know Poor Xbox and the Xbox tax. And uh, the PlayStation hacks. Oh, whatever. Brian M. says, To the points about Ratchet and the efforts to put it down, I remember a lot of silly narratives before and during the beginning of this generation. I can't help but think that if I've always analyzed this from a psychological perspective. Like when people attack another person that comes from a place of inferiority, right? Those who have severe inferiority complexes always attack others. And what they're trying to do 
is they're trying to reassert balance in the universe. They feel there's an imbalance. Okay? You don't typically attack people that you feel are beneath you because you're not trying to reassert any kind of balance. You typically attack the people that are above you. It's why people love to attack and hate on celebrities and athletes, right? They're making tons of money. They're very good looking. So chopping them down, right? These pictures of celebrities without makeup or when they're at the beach and they've gained some weight. Everybody loves to chop them down because it's a, it stems from inferiority. It's like, well, they're better off than me, better looking than me. I'm going to bring them down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring an imbalance in the universe down. So I can't help but think that maybe when a company has a really great game and you can't play it, that's just what you're going to do, I guess. Like, you're like, well, I'm going to act like that's not a very good game. You know, I... I don't know. I, it, it just, that's what it feels like to me. It just stems from, a, there, you know, there's a far more far-reaching identity problem right now in general. People integrate too strongly with something like a brand or a sports team or their views, you know, their political views or whatever. They integrate with it so strongly that they can't see anywhere else other than to just attack anything that's not that because they feel insecure in that that like well if my viewpoint or my brand isn't doing as well then that somehow is a diminishment of me right that's that's a diminishment of me then and i think that that is sadly the cause of a lot of the fighting that we see about this stuff it's like you'll state a t- a fact about something well that game lowered in engagement you'll just you'll just go to steam charts so you'll just go to a user score of a game and you'll just say yeah this game didn't score very well and you'll get called names for that like you can speak purely factually about these things and you'll be attacked i it's it's i think it's again i think it's related to all those things like knowing that every time i make a video or a tweet it doesn't matter how factual I am. It doesn't matter how empathetic I am. I could say, listen, this is just my opinion. You know, you're free to have your own opinion. People will jump on it and call me a name. And it's just like, I, there, sad, sadly, like you can't necessarily do anything about that. You can't do anything about the way other people are going to behave and act. You can only control how you act. And in those instances, I think if you can kind of disconnect from it and see this... This person's making something personal that just isn't personal. Game sales and review scores and how well a console's doing, it's not personal. And to make it personal, I think, is a cause for great and self-inflicted distress and great self-inflicted emotional instability. It's like you're, you're getting wound up and angry and fighting over stuff that is just like, what? Like... I can't imagine people getting online and being like, well, Coca-Cola sells more than Pepsi. <laughs> Take that, you know, Pepsi Peps. Or I don't, they'd have to call them a name, right? Sony Ponies, Pepsi Peps. And, you know, they'd call Coca-Cola guys Cokeheads. I mean, th- there's a whole, somebody make that parody video, please. Like, just how absurd that that would look. Like, to see people fighting like that over brands. You'd be like, what in the world's going on here? Wired Rope with a $5 super chat says, corporations aren't your friends. Uh, I mean, uh, if your reasoning for pointing out specifically to talk negatively about Xbox or Xbox products for negative perspective, that's not surprising at all. Right, but see, I can talk about it. Hang on, somebody ordered some coffee. Thank you so much. This was a while ago. Six bags of Frickmas 
to somebody who is just deciding to really, really boost up. Listen, we got a lot of people here. Indulge me for just one second. Let me show you reforgeroast.com. If you are a coffee drinker, our coffee features balanced acidity uh, or low acidity, which makes it very drinkable, very smooth, very low on the bitterness. And if you want to see the flavor profiles of all of our coffee, it is here. The light roast, the dark roast, and the Frickmas blend is here for a limited time. It's our holiday blend, and you can see all of the information here. And if you want to shop and do a bundle, a great bundle right now is the Triple Threat. Try all three flavors for 48 so you're saving some money there. If you're not wanting the holiday blend, you just want to try our light and dark roast we have the best of both worlds for 30 so that's a great way to support me my family ships that to you okay it's like supporting a small business that's not a sponsor so that's the coffee that's a great way to support us a lot of you guys that sit here and listen to me like it's a podcast or a radio show you're drinking coffee anyway give it a try um I tried to give you all the time to get the frickman says lethal escape he says I'm taking what's left <laughs> uh Anyway, anyway, um, I can't make heads or tails about why people have been so quick to cut down, denigrate, or attack Ratchet and Clank. I don't get it. It's a charming game. It's a fun game. It's literally like getting to play a, a Pixar game, a Pixar movie, like you're in a Pixar movie. It's fantastic. I loved it. I'd never played a Ratchet and Clank game before that. I had no nostalgic attachments to the characters or the world, and I thought it was one of the best. Yeah, it's one of the best next-gen games I've played. It's a simply phenomenal game. And its lower sales is not surprising at all. It made profit. It was falsely reported that it didn't make profit, but its lower sales is not surprising. It was a launch title at a time where they were struggling to get PlayStation 5s out. It's not as well known. It's not as big of a draw as something like Spider-Man or God of War. Now, Ratchet's been around a long time, but I don't think Ratchet has the draw of some of the bigger IPs. And that's okay. That's okay. Like, it really showed, hey, if anything, Ratchet and Clank was beneficial for the PlayStation to showcase just what the thing was capable of. It's like, Look what this thing is capable of. Everybody wants to rewrite history now and be like, well, the SSD is not special. In the realm of consoles and who that console was sold to, what they did in Ratchet and Clank was unprecedented. Right? In the 2020-2021 era, it was literally everything they promised for next-gen games in one game. High fidelity graphics, zero load time, impressive use of the SSD. But my SSD and my PC, shh, no one cares what you, no one cares about your PC that you weren't being marketed to. Like everybody makes that mistake. It's like it would be like getting frustrated at a at a car, like a mid level car being sold, and they mention horsepower, and you're like, "There's nothing special about that engine. My car can." You're not you're not the intended target audience. Like, they were talking to people who had been playing on console and dealing with load times and frame rate and all these other things, and the marketing beats of these new consoles was higher frames per second, higher resolution, zero load times, and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart's like, hold my beer, we're gonna do all of that. You've never played a game like that before on a console. You haven't. There was nothing like that at that level. There wasn't. 
I'd hazard a guess there probably weren't even PC games at that time doing that level of graphical fidelity and instantaneous load times. I guarantee you, back then, it was the first of its kind, and it's a great technical showcase of the PS5. So to be like, well, it didn't sell as many, it's like, dude, in the first year, didn't they struggle to have more than like six or seven million consoles in circulation? There was like no consoles available. It was an only PS5 title. The funny thing is, both both Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart and Returnal did incredibly well on a very narrow audience. Like, <laughs> at a time where it's like, no one could get a PS5. And, the th- and they still sold well. This is why you should be supporting outlets, channels, content creators, support people who are beholden to accuracy and and not being first for clicks. Because now for weeks, for weeks we're going to hear that. Tweets, comments in chat, comments on videos. Yeah, well, Sony's in trouble. You know, Ratchet and Clank didn't even make profit. <sighs> and no, it did. Yeah, that wasn't true. That was false reported. You're going to... I guess you're going to have to go back to the original article, something no one ever does. You're going to have to go back to the original article and refresh it and see their update since they didn't publish a retraction. So you have no idea that you read something false. Sold 2 million in one year on a console that had like 10 million. Yeah, can you imagine getting 20% attach rate on, on, on 10 million? Imagine, make. Shout out me and Rabbit. Oh, I missed some things. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Rabbit, thanks so much for coming back as a member. MickDO9 with 23 months says, almost red badge level. Thank you so much, MickDO9. You guys have got to remind me on that sometimes. I get, I get ranting. I get ranting. Star Wars Lego, it used dual loading and was instant. Again, as I said, there's no game at that level of performance and graphical fidelity doing that type of gameplay back then. There isn't. There isn't. You gotta move eight goalposts to claim, like, oh no, Ratchet and Clank wasn't the first. There's a Lego Star Wars game that's got instantaneous loading. That's not what I said. That's not what I was indicating. That game was was one of the. It's got to be one of the first that was at that level. Next gen graphics, next gen performance, instantaneous load time, done in an incredibly unique way. The jumping through rifts, the seamlessness from cinematic to gameplay. I mean, the the, the finding rifts in the open world and just walking through them, and suddenly you're somewhere else. At that level of graphical fidelity, it hadn't been done up to that point. It's a technical showcase of what everybody was hoping to get this generation from the next-gen consoles. See, everybody forgets that. Everybody forgets that. Like, I was watching Doc Dark's video this morning, and it was super subtle. I love him, but it was super subtle how he's just accepted all those things we were looking forward to three years ago aren't happening. It's like, well, that's just not happening, and... He's just okay with it. It's like, well, I'm not okay with it. There's no moving goalposts. There are techniques that allowed all that before. Again, 
you are doing exactly what Broken Lobo talked about. You're focusing on individual things and obfuscating the bigger picture. I was saying that there was not a game at that level of graphical fidelity and performance doing that. And you're like, but, 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 here's a game that was doing instantaneous load. That wasn't talking about that. You're going into the specifics, which is a form of moving the goalposts. If I told you this was one of the first games to do this level of graphical fidelity, lighting, 1440, and 60 FPS, and your response is, but, 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 there were games doing 60 FPS back here. You're not engaging with what I'm saying. You're not. I, you're, you're focusing on one thing. You're focusing on the particulars to obfuscate the bigger picture. The bigger picture and the bigger claim about Ratchet and Clank is that, at the time... There was no games available doing that. Everybody wants to retroactively, three years later, be like, well, they ported it to PC, and uh, my incredibly strong and incredibly fast PC can basically do the exact same thing the PS5 can do. Did you hear what you just said? Really analyze that. Is that a win? Like, are you winning right now? Three years later... You have all of these great pieces of hardware that can mimic what a console sold three years ago for $500 was doing. What are we clapping for exactly? Like, what, what, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> th- th- that's the point. That's the point. Like, Digital Foundry showed just how impressive that game was. It was, and that's what I don't get, like, at the time. We were promised higher levels of graphical performance. We were promised 4K. We were promised 60 FPS. We were promised no more load times. And a game comes out and does it. And everyone's like, yeah, well, but, 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 what are you doing? Why aren't you saying, where are other games like this? Why isn't that the response? Instead, the response is, no, we have to minimize that game's achievements. We were marketed consoles that were going to do, you know, 4K and ray tracing and 60 FPS with up to 120, and a game comes out and does all that, but we're going to minimize it and go, yeah, well, your SSD's not special because PCs have SSDs. That, That doesn't even make any sense. We were all promised the same thing in 2020 with the marketing about these consoles. And when a game walks into the market and hits the ball out of the park, everyone's be like, we're going to move 18 different goalposts to act like this game's not that impressive. Okay. If it's not that impressive, why are none of the games on the other system doing it? I'm listening for the games that are at that level of fidelity and doing the instantaneous load time. I'm listening for them, and I can't hear them. If it's so not impressive, where are all the games doing it then? And a 20 bomb comes in from Michael B, taking us all the way to 65. Incredible. On the doorstep now, a 10 bomb away from 75. What a bomb. Thank you so much, Michael B. If you guys just got a gift of membership from Michael B, be sure to say thank you.
it's a shame with all the greatness that Ratchet and Clank was doing. It only sold 2.7 million copies across PC and PS5. Yeah, different, different, different products have different demand, and the pr- and the product was sold on a platform that was much smaller at the time. Again, again, that's obfuscating the bigger picture. You're going down to the particulars and acting like it was profitable, but it didn't sell as much as like Spider-Man. So it's just such a shame that it didn't really get recognized for how great it was. What are you talking about? It set the tone for the expectation on the PS5. It showed off how great Insomniac was. It influenced the technology that was harnessed inside of Spider-Man 2. And you want to focus on the sales? Seems like a weird thing to focus on. It's like, it sold, made a profit, sets the standard of what folks could expect from performance modes and ray tracing and how a game can look and run on the PS5. And then Insomniac literally leverages some of the technology and stuff that they learned building Ratchet and they're able to put it in Spider-Man 2. And it's like, yeah, but it didn't sell enough. Well, according to who? At that time... To sell 2 million copies at a time when there was roughly 7 to 10 million PlayStation 5s in circulation? All you're citing is a market reality that restricted chipset and uh, silicon and all the other things that went into making the consoles that made it difficult to get the hardware out. That's all you're doing. Like, that was a market reality at the time. Oh, Ratchet and Clank only sold almost 3 million. Yeah, it was on a platform that didn't even have 10 million boxes in circulation. Is there a point to this? A 10 bomb from Michael takes us to 75 members on the day. Miles Morales sold 14 million at the same time. I wonder why that is. Can you think of a difference between Miles Morales and Ratchet and Clank? Let's 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 think through here. Because I think if you're going for a hat trick of false equivalencies, you've gotten this your second one of the day. You're on your way to three false equivalencies. You already got two. Why is Miles Morales not the same as Ratchet and Clank? I can't. It's hard. Oh, that's right. It was on the PlayStation 4, which had like, you know, 120 million consoles in circulation at the time. And it's also attached to one of the biggest superheroes in the world. I just, I forgot about those two things. Silly me. I can't believe believe, that Ratchet and Clank didn't sell as well as Miles Morales. Jiminy Christmas, Erotimus. You're smarter than this, Erotimus. Come on, dude. You had to know. That's a terrible point. Miles Morales sold more copies than there were even PS5s in circulation at the time. Is a cross-gen title. It's Spider-Man. <laughs> Come on, bro. I'm I'm trying to have fun with you because that just seems really bad faith, bro. <laughs> Come on. Why are you trying to knock down Ratchet? Ratchet and Clank's a great game. It made profit. <laughs> What's the problem? 
DK Baker. Oh my gosh. Michael B, thanks again for the 10 spot. And DK Baker is the agent of chaos. He says, we're not going to sit on 75. And he bumps the line to 76. Thank you so much, DK Baker. You the best. The better question you should be asking is, how did Ratchet and Clank do so well on such a smaller platform? What's the percentage difference between... (laughs) Wait, it almost lines up, doesn't it? Mathematically line up that Ratchet sold almost 3 million on a 10 million platform... And Miles sold 14 million, if his, if his number's correct. It was Miles 14 million at the time? I actually don't know. I know Miles sold more. But Miles was selling on about a 120 million-sized platform. Doesn't that track? Three? No, it feels like the ratio is far better for Ratchet. Isn't it? Be- it's way better, isn't it? One sold to almost... of the market and the other sold to about 10% of the potential market isn't ratchets I'm terrible at math but off the top of my noggin it sounds like ratchet and clank did better with attach rate than miles (laughs) ratchet was like 25% attach rate miles was like 12 I you know we just need to start handing out calculators for every stream now, I guess. <laughs> Come on. I mean, that's a, that's an own goal if I've ever seen one. Invoking Miles Morales, you have you have single-handedly just kicked the ball in your own goal. If you're trying to make it seem like Ratchet and Clang didn't do that well, you've single-handedly made a pretty convincing case that Ratchet did incredible. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Good night. What's up, Abe? Miles Morales is also Spider-Man, which is way more popular. Also, wasn't Miles sold at a lower cost than Ratchet? <laughs> wasn't it also sold for less money? Wasn't it cheaper? I can't believe this more popular character sold at a lower cost on a significantly larger platform. I can't believe it sold more copies than Ratchet and Clank, guys. We need to get Sherlock Holmes on how this happened. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Well, maybe we should change. Let's change the subject and talk about the Activision slides. Will that make you feel better? <laughs> All right, let's talk. You guys want to talk about that? Sony, Sony scared. Is that what I should have put on the thumbnail? Sony scared, guys. Sony scared. Is you know a year ago they have a PowerPoint presentation that says all the things that Jim Ryan said as well. <laughs> what a smoking gun! What a smoking gun those Activision slides are, guys. They're uh, they're pretty worrisome because they basically just say exactly what Jim Ryan said a year ago. I'm I don't <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what Sony's gonna do. <laughs> I don't know what Sony's gonna do. You know? 
We're not console warring anymore. I'm not even console warring. I'm just, I, I'm talking about Ratchet and Clank and Spider-Man and Activision Blizzard slides, dude. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about Xbox. They're not even on the docket today. We talked about Xbox yesterday. Starfield has sold less than Mortal Kombat 1, which has sold almost 3 million as of the beginning of November. So does that mean Ratchet has sold more than Starfield? That's not the subject today, Lone Wolf. No. (laughs) Broken Lobo says, Nothing wrong with risk assessment as a company. I'm sure they all do it. Listen, I don't think it was just mere posturing when Jim Ryan said those things. I don't think it was like posturing. I think it was like, holy moly. If they're only going to give us Call of Duty until 2027, this poses a significant threat to us. It means they intend to take it. It means they intend to leverage their Game Pass. It means they intend to harm a revenue stream for us. That's, That's true. See, that's only concerning if you are under the assumption that these platforms live off of first party like I know Nintendo does but well, I wouldn't even say Nintendo lives off of first party Nintendo generates way more of their profit revenue and customer retention off of first party okay but if you understand that both Xbox and Sony make most of their money from third party then it's not alarming to read what Jim Ryan said. It's not alarming to le- read these slides. It isn't. It's like, well, yeah, we make a ton of money from third party, and they're about to own our biggest third party seller. That's a that's a that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, dog. Sony's scared. What do you, what do you mean? They're assessing risk. They're assessing potential damage to the business. That's normal. That if you made. You know, if you made trinkets to sell in your store, but what really moved the needle in your store was these uh, these packs of gum, and you just made tons of money on them, and that was why people came to your store, and it was a significant portion of your revenue, and then the guy down the street that you compete with buys the people who make the gum, you'd be worried. You'd be like, what if he just decides we can't have it anymore? What if he starts charging me a royalty rate? What if he starts to do a revenue share on this and it cuts in to my margins? I'm going to have to cut staff. I'm going to have to, you know, I, I was wanting to expand over there. I was wanting to get the glass replaced. I was wanting to do all these things. I don't, I don't know if I can do that now. That's just normal good business practice to say we make a ton of money off of this thing one of our competitors is trying to buy this thing. Uh, that's pr- that's a problem. That's a worry. So when I see those slides, I'm like, yeah, that's that sounds about right. They were offered a three-year extension on their most profitable third-party piece of software, and they were like, hmm. So the smoking gun of those slides, I just, I think the biggest problem was people didn't realize that the, the slides were created in 2021 and last saved in late 2020, like October of 2020. So it's not like that was published yesterday, especially again, my wife 
keeps telling my children to be a thinking person. And I love that phrase. Thinking person would have been like, these slides say 2027 for Call of Duty. Maybe this is outdated information. Just like this slide about Ratchet and Clank Profit, it uh, it predates the release of Ratchet and Clank. Maybe this is uh, maybe this is an accurate information. You know, like is it that hard to use a cal- is it that hard to use a calculator or a calendar? Is that difficult? Like, we're in the business of covering gaming news. And the minute I saw those slides about Call of Duty, I was like, what the frick? I said, it says 2027. I was like, what is this? And that's why when someone said it was fake, I was like, oh, I was like, it's fake. I was like, if somebody's going to fake a slide, why would they put 2027? It doesn't make any sense. Why is the Insomniac watermark in the corner? So we went down the rabbit hole and I got the document and I verified that it was real. And when you see when the document was created and last saved, everything lines up and makes sense. It's like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, this makes perfectly good sense. In late 2022, Jim Ryan was offered a three-year extension on Call of Duty. He said it was basically a joke and essentially said that this is a threat and we don't want this merger to go through and it could be it could be a problem for us. Now the interesting thing is in those slides there's the concern about leapfrogging and we just talked about that yesterday. You know, this 2026 Xbox next like is Xbox going to try and leapfrog, you know, Sony with power my gut still says no, but I think even Sony thought what Call of Duty could let them to, could empower them to do that. It's obviously not new information, but I haven't seen anyone talking about the more positive part of the slides. Elusive perfect game subscription, premium content, e- premium content, expectation of free best in class games creates unsustainable model. Monthly and incremental subs won't cover the investment. Unified mobile PC console experience doesn't exist. Form factor and computer power are too diverse. Sony impact premium sales model is premium sales model is the central approach. Huh? In those Activision Blizzard slides, Sony seems to have concluded that the submodel, the day and date submodel, isn't sustainable. And that's why they're not doing it. They're going to go forward with the premium approach. I, th- this is, this, there's just nothing new here. We know all of this. We know Sony's opinion about Game Pass. We know their opinion about Call of Duty coming under Xbox. We know their opinion about doing day and date with big first party titles in the virtuous cycle. And I'm not going to get into the specifics of, of the leak, but you can see ROI and profit on I can say this, on Spy on Spider-Man. You get to see it. And buddy, I'm telling you, people are like, "Oh my gosh, gaming is really expensive." <laughs> Yeah? Really expensive? And making money in gaming is really hard? <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Just throw everything on a subservice and it'll all be fine. Everything we've been talking about, that a buy-to-play market is healthier. We've, we've been saying this for, for, for a year or more now, two years now. It's being sustained. 
the yeah, it's being sustained, but it's unsustainable. You can sustain it as a loss lead, but that doesn't mean it is sustainable. I'll give you an example. It just became way too expensive for the purple platform to stream in Korea. Now, it could have been sustained by Amazon's deep pockets. Amazon could have just spent money and just continued to allow streaming in Korea. And you could have argued, oh, it's being sustained, while also saying that's not really sustainable. That's not really like a profitable model. Which is why I don't know if if Game Pass is going to stay as it is right now. I feel like it's probably going to evolve. I think, I just, I don't know. I think you're going to see a very different trend there. And if it doesn't evolve, you know how it's going to be sustained? It's going to be sustained by selling the property elsewhere. It is one thing to put Halo on Game Pass or Starfield and take that on the chin. It's another thing entirely to put Call of Duty on there when you can sell it on PC and PlayStation. Like, again, it's being sustained by the very thing that we've been talking about. It's being sustained by a buy-to-play market. That makes sense? Like, that verifies the, the, the claim. It's like, well, of course it's sustainable. You're you're gonna sustain it with the buy to play market. You're gonna put the you're gonna put the games elsewhere. The Horizon Forbidden West and Horizon Zero Dawn data proved it. How so, Eugene? Ben says, just caught up and watched the show open. Yesterday was a challenge deciding how to approach it. You were very respectful to the folks at Insomniac who are understandably upset at the moment. Thank you, Sven. Yo, Rabbit with 11 months says, it's crazy how people can look at pre-alpha footage of a game and go, that looks like trash. Like, bruh, they did that with GTA leaks. <laughs> it's just, it's a... I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what it is, Rabbit. Anybody tweeting or making videos saying that the Wolverine gameplay looks bad, I'll just say it. My opinion is that they're being dishonest and they know they are. I think it's willful. I don't think it's like a genuine take. I think it's willful. I think it's either driven by negativity sells, it gets the clicks, or it's driven by I don't like that. I don't like that team. Like they know. They know that it's not an honest take to look at early footage and be like it looks bad. When has early footage of a game ever looked good? Have you ever seen some of these early tech tests and and early games, whether they get leaked or whether they just say, hey, look how far our game has come? They always look bad. It's like, that's literally the time the game looks the worst. It's like, there's a time where nothing has texture on it. It's all like gray. And then there's a time where they like do a single pass just so they can test some of the game out and its animations. And it's like, that game looks bad. Of course it looks bad. Every game looks bad at that point. always does sales for horizon forbidden west flatline while horizon zero dawn continued to increase it proved that uh the effect of subs cannibalizes games okay i see what you're saying eugene i mean they tested it out with their own property throwing throwing games on 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 a sub service cannibalizes them 100 how many years does game pass need to exist to consider it sustainable you need to understand something, kill you. If if Xbox if Xbox was not owned by Microsoft, Game Pass would not exist in its current form. 
to intentionally set up a loss lead does not mean and and then you're sustaining it with your own funds doesn't mean that it is sustainable you understand that saying something is sustainable or unsustainable it's a matter of actual facts and math it's not a matter of opinion sustaining it with other revenue or sustaining it and saying as a business strategy this is a loss lead for us we're willing to do this other companies are going to look at that and say that's just not sustainable we could not do that and as eugene is saying the ftc testimony proved that this this is not going to be able to continue and if it does it's going to have to be subsidized some other way because it cannibalizes sales like they're they're going to have to find another way i think that's quite literally what abk is about activision blizzard is literally designed as a way to give them the revenue stream they need they need to be able to take property and sell it elsewhere that's why the whole the all the theories about xbox like leaning into third-party publishing it just makes sense to me it's like you have lost the fight that mattered in one realm and you're going to another realm they're like now nah, we're gonna we're gonna attack this from a completely different angle nova hands with 25 months says, look at the wnba it is sustained but it's not a sustainable business model on its own without the nba the wnba would fold overnight yeah i've seen breakdowns of how that functions economically and that's exactly right that's a perfect analogy it's like on its own it wouldn't stand it's being sustained by the another thing that makes all the money and again this is always interpreted as hate it's just business analysis it's not hate Foggy says thanks to the membership and he gifts one himself and takes us to 77 members on the day thank you so much Foggy Yo, it's good, Thrifty. Forgot I was behind? No worries. Like, do you understand? Like, it's okay to do business analysis and to be like, PlayStation tried this. They ran the numbers and they concluded this isn't sustainable. Well, sure, it's sustainable. Xbox is doing it. Okay. How is Xbox doing it? The methodology of sustaining it doesn't make it objectively sustainable. Does that make sense? That If you said, well, the WNBA is sustainable, so surely the MLB could launch a women's league, and you might be like, no, they ran the numbers, and it's not sustainable. I'm making that up, by the way. I don't know if that's even possible, but you get the point. If you looked at the WNBA as a test case, and you're like, oh, no, that's being sustained, so surely... Other sports could launch extremely billions of dollars, millions of dollars sunk into, you know, launching uh, women's leagues. And you'd be like, no, the other leagues, the other, the other sports have run the numbers and it wouldn't be sustainable. They don't, they don't, they don't make enough or they've run it. They've run the projections. So Sony runs it and says, it's not sustainable. We can't do this. And pointing to the fact that Microsoft does, you have to ask the question, how, well, how are they doing it? How? They're subsidizing it in other ways. It's a loss lead. Now, Phil Spencer will say it's profitable. 
but why don't they show us show us the profit margins on game pass do you want to know why they don't show us the profit margins on game pass admitted in the ftc emails by phil spencer himself they don't have a measurement tool to do that they don't have a way of telling you like how do you measure a game's profitability and impact when you throw it on game pass and he tells the guy oh we don't know it's an overall strategy of loss lead to say dump money at this thing so that we can have a funnel full of people and you grow that funnel over time and then they're going to try to grow that funnel on mobile they're going to try to grow that funnel on smart TVs and you know uh, iPads, tablets they saw great growth of Game Pass on PC in the Japanese market so again it being sustainable you have to ask the question how is it being sustained People have already tried that method with the XFL and the Bikini Football League. XFL flopped twice and the Bikini League flopped. Right. Right. You you couldn't subsidize it. It wasn't working. I think terminology needs to be adjusted. It being propped up, saying it's sustaining is a bit of a misnomer, says Nova Hands. A real sustainable business model wouldn't cannibalize by definition. No, it might. It might, Nova Hands. You might say that Game Pass cannibalizes sales. Let's just imagine a world where their subgrowth was really, really healthy. If their subgrowth was really, really healthy and they were on their way to, let's say, 50 million subscribers, the cannibalization of the sales wouldn't matter anymore. It wouldn't. You, you would start to outweigh it. You'd have so many people on the subservice, it would be like, we only, we only put four big AAA games on there a year, and the amount of money we're getting annually from Game Pass more than makes up for the people that don't have to buy it. They're just going to play it on Game Pass. It, it, may, it completely makes up for it. But the, I, just, the, the, I think the fact that it had lacked the growth and it plateaued is why... I'm convinced they're going to have to think very differently about it. Either they're going to start to subsidize it and make it work by way of mobile and their mobile storefront, or again, they're just going to sustain it and subsidize it with revenue from Call of Duty being sold on other platforms. If Game Pass stays at these levels, they won't sustain it. Right, I think their next goal of growing the sub-base... Is, is probably mobile and then PC in other markets. As they said, they saw good growth for it in the Japanese market. <clears throat> oh, that's really cool. Sam Lake uh, from Remedy has been included in Variety's 500 list of the most influential people in the global media industry. That's awesome. Good for him. He seems like such a genuine dude. Uh, Alapark says, As of now, they can stay afloat. The costs keep increasing year over year. At the current sale through rates, they will run dry. The same reason Game Pass is unsustainable. Right. And the only reason we're talking about Game Pass is because it was literally included on the Activision Blizzard slides of like, Sony was concerned, you know, late uh, 2021, uh, no, sorry, late 2022, they were concerned about this Activision Blizzard deal, but they also did their own internal analysis of whether or not that kind of submodel was sustainable. Now ready for Christmas. Best wishes, everyone. Yo, shiny red flag. Good to see you, man. Thanks for 10 months. 
So that was one aspect of the leaks. Now, the other aspect of the leaks that I, I want to talk about. <clears throat> and I'm going to be real careful on this one. Because I don't I don't want to uh, I don't want to go into details, okay? But recently I was saying that the future of live service games needs to evolve into a more content-driven model and not a player funnel model. A player engagement funnel model. I think player engagement funnel models are very difficult and challenging. There are games that pull it off, but I think there needs to be an evolution into a content-driven model. It would be live service, but not in the sense that we think of as like a Fortnite or Diablo. Okay, Shiny Red Flag gifts some membership. Thank you so much. Getting us even closer. Taking us to 78. Guys, if you have not smashed a like button yet today, do me a favor and do that. Let's get ourselves to 400 likes. If you want to talk in today's chat, you do need to be a member. I did not want people to be able to come in here and spam spoilers. Uh, We had people doing that yesterday, and we weren't even talking about the subject. So I figured that people would come in and put stuff in the chat that I did not want to be there. And the, the best way to control it was to go members only. We almost never do members only, so make sure you subscribe to the channel. That way you can be here for the discussions and everything else. Now, <clears throat> this um, this Friday night, if you guys want to force me to sing Christmas carols, I have set that as a stretch goal for the members this month of December. If you guys want to go crazy uh, in the spirit of Christmas and go nuts with gifted members as you already have today... We need to get to 3,000 members. And currently, the back end of YouTube is being slower than molasses in a freezer. I can't get anything to open. There we go. Currently, we have 2,200 members. So you guys have hit that milestone. If you hit 100 today and my 20, you'll be at 2,230. You're actually only about 700 away because every 100, I gift 20. Okay? So you're only about 700 away. And you guys have gone crazy before. We've had days where we've gotten four or 500 members. So if between today and Friday you guys manage to do that, Friday night stream will be a little bit different. So appreciate all the support. You guys are the best. Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah, happy Kwanzaa. Happy holidays. Whatever holiday you celebrate, we, we, we welcome you here. And uh, I celebrate Christmas. So there will be uh, you know a day off uh, next week on Christmas. So... Um, now, somebody is saying, who was it that said it? You want a distinction. Can you explain the distinction? I, that's a good question, Momo. Yes. Okay. So when I say that live service games need to evolve and consider a more content-driven model as opposed to player funnel model, let's just hypothetically say that a game launches and then a year later, they add something to it that makes you come back. I'm going to give you some examples of things that have been added to games later. We got the Valhalla DLC in God of War Ragnarok. The rogue mode brought everybody back, likely surging the sales. It's free. It's in the headlines. We'll see if Ragnarok charts uh, for the month of December. We'll check that in January. We also saw Returnal at a co-op mode. Now, hypothetically, what if really big popular titles that are constantly accused of being one and done and everyone's forgot about it and nobody cares as if that matters when it's at the top of the sales charts anyways uh for the year not just for the month that it launched 
That dialogue is so funny to me. It's one and done. No one's talking about it anymore. I it's at like the top of the sales charts for the whole year. You think that matters? Anyways, what if yeah, Ghost of Tsushima added legends? What if that's the model for like a hybrid? It's not a engagement funnel live service model. An engagement funnel live service model is like Diablo 4. It's like Fortnite. It's like Destiny. You have to keep the funnel full of players because if the funnel isn't full of players, the money's not coming in, the seasons aren't being sold, the battle passes aren't being purchased. So engagement funnel live service games are incredibly challenging. Why? Well, because people get bored. People stop playing. People walk away. People start playing something else. Attention is literally the most valuable currency in the world. And holding people's attention is very difficult. I speak with experience. It's very difficult to hold people's attention. Johnny Red Flag with another gifted member. Thank you so much. Taking us to 79 members on the day. No. No, he's not. He does another single. He's setting up the 20 bomb bait. 80 out of 100. I see what you're doing, Shiny Red Flag. Let's see if it works. Okay, okay. So, this would be a different way to do quote-unquote live service. It keeps the game relevant. It keeps the content fresh. It keeps people coming back. It's a way to continue to make money from a piece of property that's now old. Let's just imagine that God of War Ragnarok charts this month. Let's just imagine that it does. What does that communicate to Sony and developers what's it communicate we can we can have like long tail engagement on a single player game we can make money on a single player game like a year later interesting so in light of everything i said i don't want to go into specifics i'm trying to be careful here just imagine with me ghost of tsushima added legends Returnal added co-op. What if existing titles a year after their launch suddenly added things to the game that brought you and maybe other people back? Maybe somebody else back. What if games did that? Like all of a sudden people were playing Returnal and they were playing it with a buddy. And maybe their buddy bought the game because they're like, oh, I can play it with you now. I'm willing to try it. What what if? I'm just saying, like, hypothetically, that could be a really good way to not just have one-and-done games, make more money on the game, have more revenue. So when I said the other day that I think games need to start considering going with more of a content-driven live service model versus an engagement funnel live service model... You'd be like, well, that's not really live service. True. You get to probably avoid the term live service and still make good money on the content. We've said this for a very long time. I have said this time and time again. Assassin's Creed Valhalla shows what sweat. Thank you so much, sweat, for 13 months. Lono spitting facts as usual. Welcome back, sweat. I said this about AC Valhalla. You spend five or six years building this massive world, and then people play it for a month or two, maybe, and then that's the end of it. 
What if ongoing you kept coming back to a game like that? What if ongoing you kept coming back to a game like that and adding content or micros or something for people to spend money on while also spending time in the game and getting new experiences? What if really big worlds that feel like, man, I really wish I could play this with another person suddenly let you play them with another person? What if? What if that happened? Well, you'd make more money. Your game stays relevant. Top of mind marketing. So DLC? Yes, but not. It would be DLC, but it would also be like, you know, multiplayer, you know? The ability to play online, maybe. So it's quasi-live service, you know? It gives them an inroad to say, hey, people are playing. People are continuing to play. Maybe we throw in some microtransactions. Like, maybe we throw in a battle pass or something. And people are like, ooh! They're gagging already. They're like, Okay, well... As we already learned... They gotta make more money. The projects are getting more expensive, especially when there's licensure involved with, like, Marvel. This conversation of what-ifs is getting depressing, like watching a main character get their head bashed in depressing. Why is it depressing? Why? Let me ask you a question. If you could suddenly play... If you could suddenly play Horizon Forbidden West with another person, and let's say you really liked Horizon Forbidden West, you could play it with another person, and there was new things to go do, and new experiences to go do, and maybe some DLC, would you be like, I can't believe they did this? Or would you be like, that sounds awesome. Like, enter the mind of somebody who's enjoying Horizon Forbidden West, and they're like, hey, this world's really big. And uh, we've did this. We've done this thing, and you can go into the world now with another person. And the map's got all these new activities. And oh yeah, there's some new things to buy if you want. You don't have to, you know. And if it's a hit, maybe they do something like a battle pass, or maybe they do like events in the world. Now the beauty of this is, is you bought Horizon Forbidden West, and you enjoyed it, and you played the campaign, and maybe you played Burning Shores, and you enjoyed that too. I need to go back and play Burning Shores. I wasn't strong enough, and then I had to I had to spend a couple of nights leveling up. And then I haven't had a chance to go back. Like, wouldn't that be a great way to get rid of the idea that, like, well, these games are one and done? Alex Mercer, the prototype with a month of membership, says, Hey, man, you said Miles... Uh, sold cheaper than Rift Apart. Does Miles Ultimate Edition come into this? I've seen them around at my Best Buy. The original launch price of Miles Morales was lower than Rift Apart was the point that we were making. So its initial sales, total sales, was largely impacted by that, yes. I think the greater reason that Miles sold more was because that it was a cross-platform game. It launched on PS4. Look how much capital Sony got out of Spider-Man 2018 assets to be used and improved upon in sequels. Same idea, just smaller scale. That's such a good insight, Eugene. Like, Spider-Man 2018 allowed them to build Miles Morales. That game made them a ton of money. Like, it made it, it did very well. And then Spider-Man 2. And Spider-Man 2's not done yet. 
by all accounts, it's going to be another very successful game financially. So they're getting a lot of capital out of that build. You're not wrong, but coming off the TLU news, you're preaching uh, to the deeply cut choir here. Here's the thing, though, Lancelot. Oh, this gets good. What if, instead of Naughty Dog trying to build and turn their studio into a live service studio because engagement funnel live service games are incredibly challenging? You gotta use FOMO, people can't stop playing, right? Oh, ho, ho, Merry Christmas, we need an ugly sweater stream. Listen, I'll wear an ugly sweater on Friday night and sing Christmas carols. You guys just have to go a little crazy on the member count. You guys are just gonna have to dig deep, man. I'm not... I sweat when I wear those. I'm not gonna sit here and sweat and drink and sing Christmas carols. Listen, I'm gonna be real with you. There's a price tag on that because it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> the sweaters are itchy and they make me sweat and I don't really like singing, so... Well, I don't like singing on camera. So, but I'll do it. I'll do it. You guys are just going to have to really bring the heat. Now, what I was saying about The Last of Us. Thanks for 16 months in the VIP, by the way, Ghostface. Huge, huge support, man. Appreciate you. Listen. What I was saying about The Last of Us. If Naughty Dog decides instead to do The Last of Us Part 3, what if, you know, a year later they added something to The Last of Us Part 3 that let you do something with a friend? Co-op. Some kind of an online mode. Maybe a co-op rogue mode. I love this, adding rogue modes to game. I think it's just awesome. I, I can't wait to play the one in The Last of Us Part 2. I've been really, really loving God of War Ragnarok's Valhalla rogue mode. Uh, Asgard's Wrath 2 on my meta quest has a rogue mode. I tried it last night. Fun. Quick. It gets a little crazy at the end, and I I, I failed twice. I'm trying to figure out the final room. It's a little bonkers, but still fun. Very fun. It's hard to move quickly in a a VR. I want to (laughs) run. I want to run around, but you're supposed to, like, use the dash. And I've, I've not done a good job using the dash. But the point is, is, like... I would much rather Naughty Dog stick to what they're good at, launch an amazing Last of Us Part 3, and then a year later, maybe iterate on what they learned building Last of Us Online or building the Rogue Mode for the remaster, and they add some piece of content, and then you can come back and play, and maybe come back and play with friends, you know. And if hypothetically they did this with, you know, a Marvel game, I'd be, I'd be pretty excited. Hypothetically. Hypothetically excited. Do you get the point that I'm saying? Like, the, the, the point is, these games are so big and so expensive, if they're gonna be sustained going forward, there have to be creative avenues of ongoing content, ongoing relevancy, and ongoing revenue. And I would much rather them take a creative route than just be like, well, a dual battle pass and seasons and just try to get them to come back to the game every month. Oh, for Pete's sakes, like every game can't do that. Everyone has battle pass fatigue. Everybody has season pass fatigue. We're like, oh, for Pete's sake, is every game going to do this? 
I think what people saw is they saw Fortnite and they saw Formula. They're like, that's the formula. If you look at Fortnite or you look at Destiny, a ton of companies have made the mistake of thinking that that's the formula. As the saying goes, which is actually a very grotesque saying if you picture it, so try not to picture it, there's more than one way to skin a cat. So there's more than one way to get ongoing support, ongoing revenue, ongoing relevancy of your game. Not every game has to be like, well, slap a battle pass on it and do a seasonal model and uh, do holiday events. You can only play a game so many times it's like, hey, uh, we added snowflakes and you can get a Santa hat. Buy our battle pass. Like You can only do that so many times before people are like, "Uh, there's got to be some other way to get folks to come back to a game and spend money in the game. This is a a business strategy that I think we're going to see more and more, I think. Now, the challenge becomes, if you wait that long, there's going to be a substance assumption. People are going to assume that the content's going to be more substantive. Why would you skin a cat? I have no idea why that's the saying. I don't don't know why you wouldn't say there's more than one way to skin a, a deer or something, like an actual animal that you hunt. Like, who's skinning cats? Yo, Joker Quinn, I missed your coffee order an hour ago. Grabbed a bag of the Dark Roast, and then... My man Darius, brand new member today and also gifted members. He's trying a bag of the Frickmas blend. Thank you so, so much. Appreciate that very, very much. (laughs) Steven Totillo, nobody in our industry is happy. That's true. He pushed out an article. I subscribed to his uh, game file newsletter. I like Steven Totillo. I think he writes good stuff. Um, But thank you for those coffee orders. Appreciate it very much. It's the formula in free-to-play games. It's a joke that we now have battle passes in cosmetic stores in a full-price game. Kill you. I actually have seen that sentiment a lot. The idea that if you charge money for the game that you shouldn't have microtransactions or cosmetic stores. And I understand exactly where people are coming from. It feels kind of like you're getting sucker punched, right? It's like the time that I paid to park at the fair. I paid to get into the fair. And then they were like, now you got to pay for each individual ride. I was like, what? I, I paid $20 to park. I paid, I don't even know how much money to get in here with my family. And now after all of that, I'm now I got to spend more. Like it kind of feels like a sucker punch. So I get why people think that. I think there's a general problem with that expectation, though, of, like, any full-price game should never have microtransactions. I don't think that squares with every single business model. I don't think it squares with every single project's viability. Like, not every not every game can afford to be like, oh, yeah, we'll make all our money back on the, on the $70 of sales. They just know that's not enough anymore. As I said, you know, the the former Sean, uh, Sean Layden, former PlayStation head, uh, Mark Cerny, the CEO, uh, Strauss Zelnick of Take-Two, they've all said it's this isn't a sustainable model. It's way too expensive to make these games. And if you think that we just make it all back on the, on the sales of the game, I, that's just naive at this point to think that. The, the, the YouTubers and the 
the folks that run this um, us versus them narrative like it's us versus the developers like the developers should give us the greatest games in history and only charge us money one time and they can never shut the game off and they can never shut the servers off like I just feel like that entitlement and that sort of that that renegade idea that like it's us versus them I, I just think that's driven by a lack of business sense i think it i think it i think it propagates and profits off of the ignorance of the audience the audience has no clue what goes into making these games and how expensive they are and how razor thin the margins are and they just think yeah and they shout along with somebody telling them that like these these anybody that defends these practices is a corporate shill so they make it tribalistic so like anybody that tries to just level with you about these games are barely making their profits sometimes they've got to have other ways to monetize there has to be an evolution here games should cost more money they would they would do it if they could get away with it i think games right now if you valued them at what goes into them the production cost the project length the quality of the games that we get i think games are like should be like a hundred dollars easy Thank you so much, Boss Man Davey, for the $5 Super Chat tip. I want some PvP options. I'm tired of COD, Battlefield, Apex, and Fortnite. PvP is just such a hard market to get into because PvP necessitates an ongoing player funnel, and keeping that player funnel full is really hard because of all the games you just mentioned. Now, what Solemn is saying, you know, stop having 1,000-employee teams working on these games. I actually think there is a sweet spot for studio size and I think you're going to see a lot of studios branch off, shrink I, I how can you look at Hello Games and not think maybe we don't need to be this big they're going to clip this, I don't care, free advertising I think games should cost $100 the only reason they're not charging you $100 is because they wouldn't get away with it, the market wouldn't allow it if they were charging you the appropriate price of what goes into a game, they would be charging you $100. Do you want to know why? Because back when you bought video games in the past, that's what you were paying. And you can talk about cartridges and plastic all you want. That's not why you were spending that. You were spending that because it's what the market was bearing. People were willing to spend, according to inflation, what was roughly $100 back then. They were willing to do that because... It was a novelty. It was amazing. It was awesome. It was new. Well, now it's commonplace. So it's like, I don't want to spend that kind of money on a video game. Why? Well, the market's full. The market's saturated. I don't have to, I don't have to buy your game for that much. I can go play a free-to-play game. <clears throat> You're okay with games selling for $80 to $100 and having microtransactions. Well, I think the beauty of selling games for $80 to $100, let's imagine a world where that was sustained by the market and they were selling the same number of copies <clears throat> excuse me they were selling the same number of copies of the game that they are now but instead they were charging $100 it wouldn't surprise me if you saw a lot of those games launch without microtransactions because they would say projections revenue profit margins are all very healthy we don't want to disrupt that with microtransactions it'll disrupt player trust it'll disrupt consumer confidence we're not going to do that now, again, the us versus them narrative is immediately going to chime in and say, 
They're greedy. They're greedy corporate overlords. And if they started charging $100, they would still put microtransactions in there. No, because it's a relationship between the consumer and the product. And if they saw, we're going to make the margins, it's healthy, we're charging $100 for every game, adding microtransactions would run the risk of disrupting that. Again, this is a hypothetical fairyland that we're imagining they could be charging $100 right now for Alan Wake and Spider-Man, and they would be selling the exact same number of copies they are now. They would not add microtransactions. Now, they only would add microtransactions if they knew they could do it and wouldn't disrupt demand for the product. Do you see? Like, the reason they're charging you 70 is because they can. They can. The, The market is bearing it. They would charge you $100 if they could. Because they'd make more money, their profit margins would be safer. They'd be they'd be in a more, um, the the risk would be lower. They'd be mitigating the business risk more significantly if they could do that. People have accepted buying skins in stores. I blame gamers for sending money on things that offer you no real value in the game. Well, that's your opinion. It's their opinion that it adds great value to the game. If they want to spend their income on a skin. If they want to spend their money on a on a mount and they feel like it adds value to their game, that's their opinion, that's their subjective experience. You can't dictate to them what they should feel or not feel. If you're the arbiter of all that is valuable in a game, then we would only have games that you like. We would only have things that you like. That would be a terrible gaming environment because it would be narrow. It'd be like one person's preference palette. People double dip. They buy the special editions of the game on multiple platforms. They'll get by. I mean, again, when the former head of PlayStation says this isn't sustainable, I I think you should. I think we should listen to that. I think we should listen to that. I think when people in the most successful avenues of gaming are telling us it's not sustainable you understand that they're saying that because they're speaking to the financials of it they're not talking to you you know that right when when Strauss Zelnick says what he said or Mark Cerny or Sean Layden when they outline the unsustainability of of this market they're not talking to you they're usually talking to some financial journal why cuz they're just speaking the raw facts they're just they're just telling you like it's just, no this isn't sustainable it's too expensive it's just too expensive they're not talking to you with all due respect, people at that level, they don't give a single ounce of care about us. They don't. We're nothing. We're just the consumer. We're just the cattle. They're talking to investors. They're talking to the money men. They're talking to the financial world, and they're saying, no, that's not sustainable. It's too expensive. When something is that expensive, it becomes unsustainable. You will see a market reverberation when something's that expensive. Now, it reverberates in a variety of ways. You could see foreclosure of studios, which we've already seen with the studio behind 
Immortals of Avium. Too much money. Didn't sell enough. Bye-bye. Just like that. Just like that. Bungie's at the... Oh, more coffee orders coming in. Thank you so much. Jason F. in chat said he got his coffee. Thank you so much. A bag of dart and a bag of Frickmas. That's my man. And then we got the Luna Joker grabbing a bag of dark roast. You guys are going crazy. We got almost 100 members and we got coffee orders coming in. You're the best. The quality has to match the price. To God, a war would have easily paid 100 Starfield barely worth $15 subscription. Here's something to consider. If the companies could sell the games for more money, let's just say, let's go back to this fantasy land where they're selling them for $100 and the sales, the quantity of sales are where they are right now. So they're just making more money. What that does is it gives margin cushion so the project could potentially go longer if need be. When your margins are like this, guess what happens? I tell you what happens. You get games that launch that aren't ready because they have no choice. It's a financial decision at that point. They're like, we pull the lever now or we're in the red. At the very least, if we pull the lever now, the number of people that have pre-ordered, the number of people that are going to buy day one, it's going to be enough for us to break even or maybe or maybe get into the green, right? It's a financial decision at that point. If they were able to project sales at a higher price point for each individual sales, that pressure to release early doesn't come as soon. I'm not saying it's on us. Like the onus is not on us to be like, we're willing to pay a hundred dollars. No, I'm saying what we're seeing right now is simple market realities coming into uh, collision with each other. They're just coming into collision with each other. It's here's the the per price that the, the, the market will bear. Here's how many we think we will sell. Here's how much it's going to cost to make it. And right here, that's the intersection point where if we don't launch by then, we're in trouble. Oh, by the way, a lot of the costs over here to get the game is also just spent on marketing because if not, you're not going to sell any units. So that collision point is why if you look at these leaks from Insomniac, it's like, oh, holy cow, like this is so expensive. And and everybody getting angry at, oh, Insomniac's just a Marvel dev now. It's like, I don't understand. Are you not looking at the numbers? You're not looking at the numbers. You want big budget titles like this? They got to back a surefire thing. They got to back a brand that they know will sell like crazy. That's just the nature of things. The sad state of AAA gaming, when they only focus on the big budget games, uh, they will be less risk averse, and that is why we see the same similar gameplay across across different games. Erotimus. You've, you've had some misses today, but you're exactly right. Now, the opinion that it's a sad state, I don't share. I think your analysis is correct. The budget's so big that the risk averse just comes in and says, you gotta go with we, what we know sells. It's gonna look similar, it's gonna feel similar, and guess what? It's gonna make a ton of money. And 
consumer response will be positive. It's hard for me to say that's a sad state of affairs. Because what you're doing is, is I'm not going to speak for you, Erotimus, but a lot of the people that are arguing the way that you're arguing, they're arguing against an ideal. And the ideal is, I want to see more new IP. I want to see more risks. Well, if you're sitting there holding cash tightly in your hand saying, $70 for a game is ridiculous. But I also want you to ship games and show them and get them to market fast. And I, I also want you to take risks and do new IPs. What you're doing is, is you're establishing a self-contradictory position. You, you want companies to take risks, but you don't think the price of games should go up. You want companies to take risks and do new IP, but you also want them to show stuff earlier, announce stuff earlier, ship stuff earlier, stop delaying games. Bungie has no right to tell The Last of Us not to launch the online game. These are all in contradiction with each other. You want companies to take risks and do new IP and not do the surefire thing. The market is dictating what they're doing more than anything. The market's responding to the surefire thing. The market responds to new IP. The market responds to price increases. All of those things are dictating these responses and these strategies and these plans. And you don't have to like it. I'm not saying, well, you have to like it. You have to you have you better buy Wolverine and love it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's an emergent property. It's, it's quite literally the emergence of financial and economical realities. It's like, this is what we've got to do to survive. we got to back the winning horse. we got to back the brands and the IPs that are going to make us money. If not, we could be self-indulgent, and then we'd be closing our doors in five years. Well, no, we really want to prize new IP. Now... Here's something that I'm going to predict will be an emergence from this reality. And this will make somebody with, you know, like Erotimus happy. I think equilibrium within the creative sphere is already happening. You're seeing talent leave and start their own studios. And the emergence from that will be what you're asking for. You want risk? You want new IP? You're going to get games like Light No Fire from Hello Games. Why? Smaller studio. They can afford to be visionary. They can afford to take those risks. They can afford to do something that's ambitious and insane. So I think one of the pieces of like emergence and equilibrium from this will be there's a lot of talented people out there that are going to be like, look, man, I don't want to make another Marvel game. I'm taking my talents to South Beach. They're going to leave. And they're going to start a studio and they're going to make the game that you're hoping they would make. They're going to make something new. They're going to make something fresh. And hopefully they don't experience what Immortals of Avium experience. Hopefully they don't have some crazy big budget and then fail and then, you know, get closed down. But I think you're already seeing this. I think you're already seeing a lot of people you know, branch out on their own because I think they're just gotten to the point where they're like, this is, I'm just a cog in the machine. I'm just spitting out some brand every month, every, I'm sorry, not every month, every year, some product, excuse me, some product. That's why we get the same Madden, NBA, and COD every year. I'm a big supporter of indie gaming. Erotimus, I think indie gaming is having a resurgence because of everything that we're talking about. Kill you, thanks for coming back as a Reforge writer. 
US PS5 sales continue to trend above PS4 with a slight acceleration in that rate compared to earlier in the year. So with this boost coming from other uh, territories, well in technical terms, PS5 is feasting, says Matt Piscatella. I think you're going to get what you want, Erotimus. I think the big, big studios, and this is just something we have to accept. I'm not saying you have to like it. I'm not even saying I necessarily like it. I'm just accepting reality on reality's terms. The bigger studios are going to have to back the tried and true brands and IPs and characters and gameplay tropes. They're going to have to. Because the risk of going way out in left field and doing some real different gameplay type or different character or different vantage point, the game could completely fail because of that. And now they've spent buckets of cash making it. That's the reality. But the other reality on the other side of this coin is a lot of talent is branching off and doing their own thing. And we've got amazingly cool little indie to studios. We're getting really cool VR games. Like, I think gaming is on the precipice of the best era it's ever had. And if you listen to the naysayers, they'll have you forgetting how amazing 2023 was. Stop listening to them because I don't think they're correct I think this is the greatest game year we have had maybe ever maybe not ever but it's up there it's up there in the hall of fame of years in gaming and if you listen to the wrong voices you're going to get convinced that everything's live service everything's crap everybody's trying to sell me a battle pass games are overpriced games launch buggy games launch broken gaming is terrible That's not true. I don't see how anybody could hold that position firmly. It doesn't, that that just doesn't seem demonstrated at all. This year has been incredible. And I believe we're on the precipice of a huge turning point in gaming where, yes, big studios are going to keep cranking out what works. There's nothing you can do about that. There's nothing you can do about that. The benefactors of that is. Listen, man, if you like Marvel and Marvel games and Marvel characters, we're eating good for a real long time, okay? (laughs) And if you're like, I'm kind of tired of that, don't worry. I think there's plenty of other studios out there that are hungry and they're making cool stuff and they're doing cool stuff and they're going to do the branch out and chart their own path thing. I think that's an emergent property of the cog in the machine that's that's been happening it's it's what you're feeling they're also feeling and i think you're going to get i think you're going to get great games because of it people are going to dispute the 2023 was the best year only because their favorite game didn't come out this year and that's fine that's fine too long Eugene says, Gorilla and Sucker Punch both took risks with new IP and it paid off, and sequels are the reward for that. And now Sony's new studios are working on new IPs. This confo isn't framing the situation correctly. Right, I agree with that. That's a good word from Eugene. We can't act like Insomniac is is the be-all, end-all, right? Insomniac is not the be-all, end-all. They're not the only studio underneath PlayStation, and we're also ignoring exactly what Eugene just said. Gorilla took a huge risk with Horizon. 
what are they supposed to do after the success of Horizon Zero Dawn? Yeah, we don't want to do a sequel. We don't want anybody saying that we're just, you know, doing the same old, same old. Like, this entitled, whiny gamer attitude of like, yeah, it's just nothing but sequels out here. You're, you're completely forgetting the fact that Gorilla took a massive risk building Horizon Zero Dawn, and it's a hit. And they do a sequel. And Sucker Punch... Have you seen the numbers for Tsushima? It's impressive. Ghost of Tsushima has sold roughly the same number of copies as Bloodborne. Put that in your noggin and rattle it around. Tsushima crushed it as a brand new IP. And we're going to get a sequel and a movie. Oh, it's just more of the same. So what were they supposed to do? Hit a home run with Horizon Zero Dawn and not make another game? Am I going to have to hear the same nonsense when Tsushima comes out? Yep, just another sequel. What? (laughs) So they're supposed to knock a game out of the park and then never touch it again. So we're ignoring the risks and the new IP to to push forth this weird idea that like, well, yeah, PlayStation just keeps doing the same old, same old. Really? Did they do that with Returnal? Did they do that with Ghost of Tsushima? Did they do that with Horizon Zero Dawn when it launched? Did they? Or were those huge risks that paid off and now we get sequels? Like, are we going to have to hear the same nonsense when Returnal launches a sequel? If it does, I don't know if it actually will. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to want to do that. I'm just saying, I think it's really, really easy to get caught up in false narratives about gaming and about PlayStation and about everything's bad and it's like brother I have a backlog that is a mile long there are so many great games out and there are more great games coming Uh, uh what I was picking a category for something. Um, guys, we are 20 members away from 100. We are going to be going to a premiere about the next Call of Duty. We now, well, not the next Call of Duty, but the next next Call of Duty. We now have good information about the Call of Duty 2025 and what it's going to be following the other one. Uh, we're going to go to this premiere in... Let me check the clock and see if we can do this. Yeah, we're going to go in 15 minutes. I'm going to give you guys a, a little 15-minute you know, wind down on the stream here at the end. If you guys want to push the membership even farther uh, than it is right now, you can do that. And uh, we will go to the Call of Duty 2025 video in 15 minutes. And if we hit 100 members, I owe you 20 members. That gets us closer to the Night of Frickmas and the Singing Christmas Carols this Friday night. We're going to hang out regardless. But if you guys want to make me wear like an ugly Christmas sweater and sing Christmas carols, we got to hit 3,000 members. And if you got to do that by Friday, and you're currently, you are currently at 20. 200 members so you actually moved the line quite a bit today already and i haven't even thrown my members in my members count when i give members those count toward uh the goal let me set this up yep ambient two minutes tomorrow at uh tomorrow at 12 15 and i'm gonna reschedule for today I have to do this with the premiere so that you guys don't get beat up with um, alerts. 
So yeah, in 15 minutes, there we go. Okay. And then we'll send this video to the premiere. There we go. Perfect. You want Insomniac to do a new IP? Ask them how their last one did. (laughs) Come on, Eugene. (laughs) Come on, dude. Yo, Rich Rod gifts a member. He says, come on, guys. We can scramble. Let's get a nice even 100. Bunch of single gifteds would add up quick. Let's hit 100 before this stream is over. Thank you, Rich Rod. It went to David Denton. Thank you very much, Rich Rod. I appreciate that. (laughs) Is there anything we didn't talk about from the leaks that you guys want to talk about? Don't put any details in the chat. Is there anything you feel like I didn't talk about or that we missed? Poe Buddies Nerfic back with 15 months in a VIP. Welcome back. Yeah. They should do new IP. They should take risks so they can make like 600 bucks like they did on Sunset Overdrive. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh. Sunset made money. Insomniac just took home none of it. Yeah, I didn't even include that in the coverage because that just I didn't I didn't have time to properly research it. I just saw the headlines and kind of chuckled. Like people want new IPs. Like good golly, I missed your member milestone. Did I miss it? Hang on, hang on, lock. I'm sorry, lock PSB with four months of memberships. 2025 is going to look like an epic year. Monster Hunter GTA 6, uh, and a, another game to name a few. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm not mentioning the one game. Gavin Hillick was six months. It was nice to see how big physical sales are. Makes me wonder about Alan Wake too. Gavin, yeah, Eugene was really talking about that in chat. I didn't really engage with it because it was sort of a side issue, but it is a good issue to bring up. A lot of us, myself included, we really thought digital was taking over and that physical was on the way out. But, you know, we're seeing reports coming out clearly showing that uh, that physical is still here and Alan Wake 2 probably hurt themselves by not doing a physical release. And he was on sorry for leaving for a bit. Wasn't feeling the content for a bit. Uh, probably my own fault, but you're the best in the business. Looking forward to the best content on YouTube. Kill you. I appreciate that. And listen, I really appreciate folks like yourself that come in and take up the contrary position to the position that I'm currently holding. That's exactly what we want to do. I got a little bit more passionate today than I have previously. I've been kind of almost like self-muzzling because of the way that people you know, have responded to that in a variety of ways, whether they're critical or whether they've left or whether they've, you know, done other things. But I felt like if we can just get in a lane where it's like, look, man, when it's factual, I'm just not going to leave a whole lot of room. But when it gets opinion based, I feel like I did leave room for just like, that's your opinion. You're allowed to think that, but that doesn't mean everybody else thinks that way, you know? I try to slice the line between this is my opinion and this is my belief and you reported false information about Ratchet and Clank. You should fix it. Not you, kill You You know what I'm saying. I I feel like there's a dividing line between those two things. Hey, you should have been more careful and properly read this before reporting. You know. Ratchet and Clank didn't do that well. We looked at the numbers and I was pretty harsh not harsh. I was pretty firm in being like, that's just not true. 
Lancelot says, burning the milestone ch- uh, chat so it stops flashing on my screen. You're awesome, and so is the show. Have a super day. Thank you, Lancelot, for 10 months. And Poe Buddy's Nerfit gifts a member and takes us to 82. Keep pushing that number, guys. A little single gifted train here at the end already would be all we need. Thank you guys so much for pushing it a little bit further. In 10 minutes, we're going to go to a premiere about Call of Duty 2025. And uh, what does it mean? What are they doing? What's the next round of Call of Duty going to look like? Especially after these uh, these open combat missions and the shorter Modern Warfare 3, you know, all of that. Did we cover did we cover how the leak backlash has been framed by some on Twitter as Sony bias? So, we actually didn't really get into that subject, which was kind of one of the major points of my monologue, so I'm happy to talk about that here at the end. And I talked about it in my monologue by saying, "Listen, I think we are at I agree with I agree with Tom Warren that we're at what feels like a turning point. This felt different." right this felt different we have not covered ransomware leaks before on this channel but i have covered leaks i think there is a spectrum of severity there's a big difference between like here's a powerpoint slide about hardware and an entire game's build has been leaked and people can see gameplay I, I, I just, I feel like there is a severity difference. I also feel like there's a difference between a self-inflicted leak, like when Xbox leaked their own stuff and when Sony didn't redact their documents properly. And we covered that, okay? Fair is fair. I covered when Sony did it. I covered when Xbox did it. They basically did like self-leaks. <laughs> okay, we covered that info. Again, I think it's different when it is an intrusion, an invasion, it's theft, they tried to sell it, these guys are scumbags. They're out here selling people's medical records for money. That, that's, you're, that's garbage human behavior, okay? I don't think that makes this equal. There's a tension. Skill Up touched on the tension. Other outlets have touched on the tension of like, our duty is to report things that have happened. This happened. This is info. You want it. I also appreciated SkillUp's take that, like, it, it, it would be disingenuous in a month to pretend that, like, I don't know about the games on the roadmap. Somebody comes in and be like, what do you think about such and such game in 2020 this? And I'm going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I can't do that. But I think right now the wound is fresh. The company and the people working there feel absolutely violated and invaded. People are having their credit cards frozen because of fraud alerts, because of this nonsense. And for me to be like, oh, yo, yuck, let's look at the roadmaps and the stolen assets. I just think that lacks in empathy and decency and just awareness of the situation. What this means is going forward, I may think differently about a leak. If something leaks from Xbox, I'll be like, listen, I'm not going to spoil or go into the particulars. We're going to talk about what happened and what the reaction was and what I think, but I'm not going to sit here and do something that feels like it's damaging to uh, a product or the people that worked on it. And eventually it becomes common knowledge and public knowledge. And at that point, I would feel comfortable talking about it. I feel like this is a learning process for everybody that covers these types of things. That There's a way to do this and consider the human element. 
we're not robots that like to act as if this is just a simple transaction of information i think is is lacking in empathy i think it just is like oh yeah we just got the info we got to report the info and it's like there's a human element here there is and i thought steven Tatillo said it very well when he said something to the effect of is there a time where we prioritize the, you know the, the the people instead of just like what we can get out of the situation Rich Rob with a five spot. I think PlayStation should just buy small studios now. With Jason Blundell, I'm sure they're making a PS Studio FPS now. Small studios make better games. I think PlayStation's strategy of focusing on smaller studios that they're already in work, they're already working with, I think is a great way to do it. As long as personal data is excluded, I'm fine with leaks of any kind. Here's the thing. I, I don't think that I can agree with that. I don't think I can agree with that because of, again, the human element. Like, I was so irritated with the the GTA 6 leak of the trailer. That 100% ruined the moment for everybody. The people that have worked on that game for years, the people that kept quiet about it for years, and the people that were looking forward to watching with their friends, the streamers, the YouTubers, the chatters, the Redditors, the tweet, all the people that we're going to have this communal moment it was taken from us by some idiot who wanted to promote his crypto just some low life i don't agree that like well as long as it's not personal information i just think it's fine no there's a human element here it, to act as if there's not a human element is to act as if we're just automatons we're all just robots and it's we're all just what we're is that what's happening or are we becoming so mechanistic that our consumption of information is almost as sustaining as like food and water like that's getting really like anthropological and like sociological to be like are we becoming so mechanized by our technological integration that we look at information as sustenance and we want it and we don't care if it hurts another person like that's just I can't do that I can't remove the empathy and the human element from the situation like I said, I got really crass about the bungee layoffs, and then as the dust settled and I really thought about it, I felt bad for the people that it happened to. But when it immediately hit, I was like, people are tweeting about being laid off. I was like, 10,000-something people have been laid off this year. Like, it sucks, but it's just where we are right now. I get that it's hard to be empathetic to your fellow man at a grand scale. It's especially hard for me to be empathetic about Bungie because a lot of those people tried and voluntarily and on their own attempted to and successfully hurt me so it's like hard to feel bad that this happened to you but at the same time if you can't take a moment and self-reflect and think about the impact and and think about the the empathy that you you could attempt to have for other people then i feel like you're just becoming very mechanistic and i think that's a dangerous place to be i was glad for some of the leaks but i don't think you have to report on them Eugene says, there's also a narrative forming that these outlets are failing to do their jobs by not reporting the information in the leak and only reporting on the leak. The leak is there. If you want the information, go find it. You're not entitled to other people telling you what is there. It reeks of people wanting someone else to find the information for them instead of researching it themselves. I I see both sides of that, Eugene. Guys, in five minutes, we're going to the Call of Duty premiere. So you got five minutes. We got 18 more members to 100. If not, I'm going to owe you guys 15 members. Right now, I owe you 15 members. If you want to push it to 100, you have five minutes before we go to this premiere. I see both sides of it, Eugene. I do. 
because skill up touched on this and some other people touched on this right i think her name is jade king i love i love the name i think it was jade king that had a thread on this you know ign did some reporting on it i think ign went too far showed too much that's my personal opinion that they, they you know they can do what they feel like they need to do with their outlet but the general consensus from folks like jade king and skill up was there is a relationship here of you want the information we get the information we give you the information I'm more concerned about accuracy, honestly, than, like, if you're going to report on it, at least be freaking accurate. At the very least, that's, like, bottom-rung expectation for reporting, is that you're not saying something that isn't true, like, Ratchet and Clank didn't get any profit. But there's two sides to this. Like, people feel entitled to the information. There's an established relationship. There's an established relationship where outlets get the info, they get the scoop, they get the inside intel, that you know, they get the leaks, they get the early looks, they get the first access, and so the consumer's like, yo, give me that, I want to see it, that's why I subscribe to you, that's why I follow you, that's why I do this, that's why I do that. So I think there's two sides. There is a side that says, listen, this is not just a leak, this is an invasion, this was theft, this was a crime, and I don't want to profit from it. There's the other side that's like, it's public knowledge anyway, what are you actually stopping? You know, the Luna Joker is going to attempt to get this going. With three minutes left, he gives the member to take us to 83 members on the day. I'll honor it in the premiere as well. I'll honor it in the premiere. If you guys keep, if you guys keep going, I'll honor it. But uh, you're getting short on time here. Thank you, Luna Joker, for pushing it a little bit further. Bar for the Games Media is on the ground and reporters are bringing a shovel. I mean, I'll be honest, it was... To me, it felt like a contradiction to just a week ago be calling Jeff Keighley a coward and being like, your event is not about the devs. And then a week later, they're like, oh, hey, cool. This company had its stuff stolen and this is damaging to their property, their company, the people that work there. It's an incredibly invasive thing. Time to make that ad revenue, baby. It's like, wait, I thought you were all about the devs. Like, Jeff Keighley cuts speeches short. He's a coward. This company's massively invaded and stolen from, and you're like, well, got to make the ad revenue. It's like, it's hard to feel your moral grandstanding about Keeley and the Game Awards was genuine if, as the Joker says, their code, their morality, it's a bad joke. It's like it's dropped at the first sign of trouble, and in this case, it's dropped at the first sign of ad revenue. I think that's a good final thought. Let's go to this Call of Duty video. I'll give members when we get over there. I owe you guys 15. Smash the like button on the way out. We hit 400 likes. Set us on a trajectory for 500 likes. I'll see you guys over there in the premiere. If you're a member or got a member today, you can go to this video. After it is a debrief for you. Okay, let's go check out this Call of Duty video. Everybody can watch the video, but the debrief is for members, and I'll see you guys there. I'm sure this conversation will continue as well. That's another advantage of being a member. Green Monster is going to try and get us there with one more at the buzzer. Thank you so much for taking us to 84 members on the day. Listen, if you guys keep gifting members during the premiere, I'll honor I'll honor it. So you're at 84 out of 100. You can keep gifting members on the premiere. I'll see you guys over there. Thanks for everything you do for the channel. Great stream, great show. Even though it was members only, good golly, what a great show. And what a lively chat. We'll see you over there in the Call of Duty video.